0: Following podcast may contain content that is not suitable for all ages or sensitive ears. Please be responsible. Thank you and donkey. Hello, Save Them Family. Landon here. Welcome to this episode of the Save Them Podcast. Today we're gonna uh, touch on something that has been uh, kind of in the background of everything we do. It's it's more like a um, it, it's more like a horizontal. Uh, capability, you know, like when you're in a business, you've got vertical business units that do things like financial services, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And then you got horizontal things, which are things like IT services, human resources, all of that. Well, this is actually a, a horizontal capability that goes across all of our different missions, uh, whether we're dealing with traditional, um, you know, organized crime trafficking, or whether we're dealing with tracking down the occult stuff Um, because that's on the dark web a lot of times. Uh, So this is what we'll loosely refer to as cyber. And uh, cyber is really the move of human trafficking into the online domain. And this takes different shapes. um, And it really has become the operational, um, or let's just say the modus operandi of today's modern trafficker. Uh, Because they really are leveraging the online space to both recruit and target victims, but also to advertise to clients, to Johns, whoever, that, hey, I've got what you want. And this takes also many different forms, things like online escort agencies, where you're advertising what you think is a 24-year-old, but actually it's a 14-year-old. And there are all kinds of different uh, code words and terminology that are used, Um, Also for the um, kind of the trafficking of children in the pedophilia rings, there are all kinds of code words used. Uh, We blew open a case about two years ago where there were these flyers that were being put up and the whole flyer was pretty net, just kind of, you wouldn't think much of it unless you were paying attention. Uh, It looked like somebody was having a party and it described the party. I'm not going to go into the details right now because I don't I don't want to blow that. But um, basically, the words that were used in the flyers were essentially saying that there was going to be a uh, sexual exploitation party of children, uh, specifically homosexual, and that um, these were the details and these were the criteria uh, to actually gain the code words, to access the party, and all of that. Well, um, all of that was masked in in code words and language. And it was very simple. We actually broke uh, the code by going to urbandictionary.com and just really just typing in a bunch of the words that were in the flyers, and Urban Dictionary told us exactly what was happening. And sure enough, uh, we worked with the local task force, and they were able to... Um, Really sort that situation out. Turned out, it was a pedophile targeting ring that was targeting boys and girls clubs, and it had moved down. Uh, This is actually stateside. Uh, It had moved down from Philadelphia and then to Washington, and then down into the Carolinas, and it had just kept moving around. And eventually, we we were able to detect that, and um, several boys who were being targeted for that event um, were. I guess you could call it a rescue, but it's really an intervention so that they didn't end up going. And what would happen is that this um, this syndicate, we'll just call it a syndicate of pedophile predators. What they would do is they would um, advertise online they that they were basically like a traveling art and production studio, and then that would gain the attention of local groups like the boys and girls clubs and then um, they would actually advertise it and then they would end up going and meeting in person and then effectively recruiting these kids to come take part as you know trainees or um, apprentices and all of this and meanwhile they were being set up for what were very very evil intentions so all that being said um cyber is something that crosses all of our domains. um, and it happens in different ways. Um, and there was a very interesting interview that I heard recently uh, about an operation that's running out of Florida and it, it has to do with hacking. Um, and it has to do with the guys who go in and actually pull the databases of groups like, um, pedophile networks and, Escort agencies and whatever, uh, we have done work such as this in uh, South Africa. Specifically, um, we've been able to really go after some folks. And in fact, we've got uh, ongoing cases targeting certain groups, which I won't elaborate on right now. But cyber's important, and the interview. I'm going to go ahead and put the the whole content of the interview here. It's it's fairly long. It's th- uh, three hours long. So I don't, I don't know that you'll be able to do that unless you're um, in the car on the way to a vacation. Um, but I'm just going to put it here for your convenience. I'm also going to put the link to the interview, which you can then, if you want to watch it. But it's an interesting interview. Here's a, a kind of a cool story behind this interview, is that the guy who's doing the interview is a former Navy SEAL and a CIA guy. Well, prior to this interview, he was not, or, or at the time of the interview, he's not Christian. But this interview took place during a week of his life where a lot of different things happened, um, and kind of those those heartstrings were torn open. And the Lord walked right in. And at the end of that week, uh, this guy, this Navy SEAL guy, is doing the interview. Actually, came to Christ and is now a believer in Jesus and is on fire for Jesus Christ. And uh, that's just such an amazing story. And uh, we we have networks of guys that we work with who are very similar to this gentleman. And in fact part of his own networks. But um, it's it's so cool to see when guys who have instincts for being a protector or for helping others or whatever uh, are able to actually match that up with actually the calling in their lives, which is um, as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and to spread the good news of the Father um, and to operate in the power and work of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing cooler than that. And so I, I, wanna, I wanted to tell you that because when you listen to the interview, you, you might feel, wow, this is really secular or, and you know, they're having to bleep out a lot of curse words and stuff. But understand that during this interview, the the Navy SEAL interviewer guy, his life is being changed during the interview. And that, that exact week when this took place is the week that he came to faith. And uh, it's really kind of a cool story. So anyways... There you go, I'm gonna launch the interview now and um, it's it's a very cool story of how the Lord uses all sorts of people through all sorts of works of walks of life to take their past experiences, redeem it for His good, and to apply it to the fights of the kingdom. And um, that should resonate with all of us because honestly that's all of our stories. Uh, n- none of us just kind of, came out of the womb sinless and are just walking in glory every day of our life, sinless? No, because then we'd be Jesus Christ, which we're not. Um, that's why we need a Savior. And as sinners, we should, we should relate to those stories and appreciate how the Lord operates. Um, and we see that all through Scripture, where, is it, you know, when you look at the, the line of Jesus, um, the um, ancestral line of Jesus, and you see there's some pretty questionable characters in there, and that's that's amazing because that's kind of how this works. Uh, the Lord takes the mess and He brings order and He uh, undoes the chaos through His own intervention. And it just it's, there's nothing better than that. So we're thankful for it. We're thankful to be His people and we're thankful to fight on in this fight. So um, here I'm going to pass you over the interview now. And like I said, oh, I forgot to tell you, the first hour and a half of the interview is pretty much the story of the hacker guy and his his testimony, his walk in life and how he came to be doing what he's doing now. And then the second half of the interview is about uh, cyber as applied to child trafficking. So if, if you're not interested in the guy's story about how he turned a broken story of hacking and all this into fighting for good, then just skip to the middle of the interview Um, which is about an hour and a half in and then pick it up with the content regarding cyber and child trafficking. So, all right. Well, I'm going to pass you over to these guys now. And I'm so thankful um, that they, they did this interview. We'll post the source video in the comments section. And that's it for me today. This is Landon out. Cheers. As an additional disclaimer, please take note that the following podcast is exceptionally intense and somewhat disturbing.
1: This is the most evil, the most disturbing, and the darkest episode we have ever released on The Sean Ryan Show. It has to do with predators who are preying sexually on children. Ryan Montgomery, the number one ranked ethical hacker in the world, has dedicated his life to hacking into these websites and exposing the predators who are preying on our children to the world. And he has thousands and thousands of names now that he's releasing. This is going to save a lot of kids and I want you to share this with everybody you know. The public needs to be informed of this. And here's how the kids are going to be saved. Because everybody says, oh, share my stuff, right? Here's how they'll be saved. Every parent that watches this will smarten up on what their kid's doing on the Internet. Every kid that watches this is going to smarten up and become aware of how prevalent this stuff is on the Internet. And every One of you predators that's watching this. It's going to put the fear of God into you because when you're caught, you will be humiliated and hopefully in prison. That's how this is going to save these kids. People are going to smarten up. They're going to realize this is everywhere. This is on every social media platform, every chat room, everywhere you go on the Internet. These people are hanging out. And unfortunately, we have to fight censorship here because here's one thing. These predators have a lot of powerful people throughout the world, in government, in Hollywood, all over the place, that are sticking up for this community. So we've done everything we possibly can to avoid censorship. We have demonetized it ourselves. This isn't about money This isn't about advertising. This is about saving kids, and that's it. So we've demonetized the video ourselves. We've pulled footage. We've bleeped every bad word on this video in hopes that it does not get censored because the masses and the people need to watch this now. This is a battle between good and evil, and I can tell you right now, good is losing. Unless people like you start to stand up and get loud about this subject. This isn't about politics. This isn't even about the country. This is about kids all over the world. This is happening. Please pay attention and share this with everyone you know. If you want to see the unedited stuff, It'll be on my Patreon, and it will be on Rumble in a few days. And Patreon, like I said, we demonetize this one. You, you alone, are who's making this possible. So thank you for the support, because if it wasn't for you, this wouldn't be happening. With that being said, I want to just say, Brian... Montgomery, I'm real proud to know you, man. And it was a real honor to have you in here and get this interview and educate the world on what you're doing and how these predators are reaching our kids. And it's an honor to be your friend. Thank you. One last thing. If you did get anything out of this, please take 10 seconds out of your day And go to Spotify, and go to Apple Podcasts, and leave us a review, and tell us what you got out of this. That helps the algorithm push these episodes farther, and get more reach, and this is a subject everybody needs to hear. Thank you. Montgomery, welcome to The Sean Ryan Show, man.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: It's an honor to have you. So I found you, I found a, a, maybe a 30 second short on Instagram, and we'll get into that later, of you exposing, I believe it was a father who was exploiting his daughter in a bathtub. You had hacked in and exploited that, and so I reached out thinking... There's no way in hell this guy's gonna give me the time of day because it doesn't look like you're very active on the on the gram. And then yeah, and then I got you.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah.
1: I'm like, I'm just super excited to be here uh, interviewing you right now, dude. You are just you are doing amazing things, saving who knows how many kids. You know, I mean, if you think of the impact of what you're doing, you know, and we'll get into it you'll never know the full impact of how many kids that you've saved by kids smartening up about what they're doing online, parents smartening up about what their kids are doing online and these pedophiles, you're going to put the fear of God in them.
2: Oh, for sure. And so that's the goal.
1: There's going to be less of them preying on, on, on these kids. So anyways, we'll get into all that stuff. I just wanted to say, um how excited i am about
2: likewise this. i'm very excited to be here and uh, it it means the world to me and and uh, especially that the, the the reach that you have the, the amount of parents that will be educated based on some of the stuff that we talk about here that even if we save one kid it's it's worth it
1: yes so let me give you a little bit of an intro here you're the number one ranked ethical hacker in the world you're a serial entrepreneur cybersecurity professional and now a child safety warrior with your company 561pc.
2: Uh not my comp my uh, 561pc is not a company. My company is actually Pentester which is a cybersecurity company pentester.com. Okay. 561pc is uh, an organization that I created with my friend Dustin Lamprose or Scrappy, he's a professional MMA fighter.
1: We'll get into that soon. Mm-hmm. And your goal Protecting children and trying to make South Florida and the world a better place by catching one child predator at a time. That's that's a damn good goal. Uh, you go by zero day on Instagram. You're like a modern day vigilante. Uh, just some stuff about your hacking life. Zero day code for a discovered <clears throat> security vulnerabil- vulnerability with zero days to fix the flaw. That's the meaning of it. 19 plus years hacking, you're self-taught, no college, no formal education, you claim to have imposter syndrome, (laughs) Uh, you mentor and teach others on how to learn this trade, you've made money from working with Amazon, PayPal, and Facebook, and you say that hacking is the best decision you've ever made in your life. Sometimes you hack up to 10 hours a day.
2: Yeah, yeah, or more, but uh, you know, working with some of those big companies there would be through bug bounty programs. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with them. I'm not. Uh, that was prior to to uh, us starting Pentester.com, which is a cybersecurity platform for small, medium-sized businesses at the moment to make sure that they're safe online, to check for data leaks, to to check you know where your face, where your identity is being broadcasted all over the internet, um, which goes you know hand in hand with what we're what we're doing with predators um and the uh, sorry i got mixed up there
1: it's all good while you're thinking every guest that comes on the show gets a gift
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) thank you very much oh wow
1: there you go go ahead open it up
2: yeah vigilance or no vigilance elite gummy bears
1: that's right made in the usa legal in all 50 states
2: I'll need that. Right now, <laughs> and wow! How did you find out about this?
1: We researched you, wow. so I know you love Ritz cheese crackers. You eat <laughs> what is chicken tenders every day at noon at Burger King and uh, Campbell soup every night before you Oh, go I to
2: bed. I quit the I quit the um I quit the, the uh, Burger King um, and now I'm on to Chick Fil A. <laughs> <laughs> At 1230, I do eat ritz Bits cheese crackers um, every single day, Campbell's Chicken Noodle Soup. Actually, I walked two miles last night to Walmart. I could have Ubered, but I walked two miles last night to Walmart to get, uh, to get one single can of Campbell's Chicken Noodle Soup, and uh, didn't realize there was a microwave in the hotel room, so I even contemplated putting the metal can on the iron to heat it up <laughs> so, that, <laughs> so that I could eat it last night.
1: You walked two miles for a can of Campbell's soup to yeah, heat it up a, on an iron for
2: a ninety-nine cent can of uh, Campbell's soup. Yep, incredible.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it, well, if you come here again, I'll have that uh, wait in your hotel room for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. But uh, so moving on in the interview, you have a interesting childhood. It sounds like overcoming addiction. Uh, I want to get into your childhood. How you got into hacking. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the stuff we can do to protect ourselves from hackers, what hackers are capable of, and then the second half of the interview, I wanna get into all the stuff you're doing, um, catching these predators. I okay. think that that's very interesting. This is gonna be one of the most informative interviews I've ever done. But um, keeping it light right off the bat, how did, you get, how did you get involved with Facebook and Amazon and who is PayPal?
2: Okay, so that was actually what I was thinking about prior to you giving me the awesome gifts. Um, what a bug bounty program is. So I don't personally own a bug bounty program, um, but I work with you know a team. I have a, a team of hackers that we we all work together on projects. Uh, we and to do that legally, there's things called bug bounties. So uh, companies like Amazon, Facebook, YouTube, Netflix, all the huge companies out there, they offer they offer uh, a monetary uh, value for a bug or a vulnerability that's found in their site. Um, so, what I mean by help protect these large organizations, it is through their bug bounty program. They may not be a direct client of the company, or some of them may be. You know, but uh, can't really talk about that publicly. Um, but yes, uh, I've helped protect all of the all of the above.
1: So basically, this is like some type of a red cell program where you try to penetrate these. These big tech companies, and then they they basically give you they give you a reward if you reveal how you did it.
2: Right. So you 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 have to reward how uh, I'm sorry you have to reveal how you did it. So they'll let's say it's a, a informational bug. An informational bug could be you forgot that a page exists and it shows some uh, some empl- uh, some of your employees' information. So that may be informational if it doesn't impact anything further than that. Whereas something very critical, like I could get access to your server or all the credit cards or all your clients attached to your company, that would be a critical vulnerability. Um, And these companies are willing to pay depending on the severity of that vulnerability. So Apple, for example, if you were able to take over an iPhone, they'll pay you a million dollars for something like that.
1: They'll pay you a million dollars.
2: Yeah, a million dollars for it. With the, they call it a zero-click exploit, meaning I can send you something that you won't even know happened, and I have full access to your phone. Million-dollar bug bounty.
1: Have you done that before?
2: No, not, I haven't uh, I haven't personally found any, any uh, bugs in the new iPhones, um, but uh, if, if I did, I'd be sure to report it to Apple.
1: So what, <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, what's the biggest bounty you've collected, and what was it for?
2: Um, I can't tell you what it was for uh, but I could tell you how because uh, there's disclosures and there's non-disclosures so i can't I can't disclose the the company or what it, what the vulnerability was but it was for over uh, it was hundred and twenty eight thousand dollars in credit on a platform I chose that over the cash
1: really mm-hmm. so these are these are good sized bounties yeah how and, many how many bounties have you collected
2: um, I don't know. I, quite quite a bit.
1: Hundred, two hundred.
2: Uh, but if you combine my team, hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah, but that isn't what I focus on anymore. Uh, it's I focus on the cybersecurity business, which okay. is all software, and uh, and that's you know a lot, a lot more guaranteed. Whereas bug bounty, not there's nothing nothing against people that do bug bounties, but it's not guaranteed uh, revenue or income. It's you 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 have to just. Keep taking shots at companies, trying to find something and hope that you get paid. Where you, there's there's no stability in that. Uh, gotcha. There's there's bug bounty hunters that make a million dollars, two million dollars a year, but then the next year maybe they make ten grand or less. So they make or they spend you know six months on one project and they make zero dollars. Um, it's just not sustain, It's not sustainable for me. Gotcha. Um, so I started a company with my business partners Rick, Sean, and Dan. And uh, it's, like I said, it's called PenTester.com. It's very simple. You just go to the site, you put in the name of your website, you press scan, and it, it does a preliminary scan. Tells you what you know. Basically, if you if you if you have any like low hanging fruit vulnerabilities, uh, and leaks, you know, like passwords associated with your emails or your employees, and um, you can sign up for an account and do a more I- invasive scan that will give you a lot more information.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's let's dive into your childhood. Sure. Where'd you grow up?
2: I grew up outside of uh, right outside of West Philadelphia in uh, Delaware County, Pennsylvania, and uh, I yeah I lived there most of my life.
1: What were you into
2: as a kid? Um, for the most for the most part, I was uh, a normal kid. But after eighth grade or so, or starting eighth grade, I started to meet the wrong people. And I was in the wrong places, doing the wrong things, and um, I met some people that were on drugs, that were a little older than me, and I started to uh, started to adapt, and I started to go to these. Uh, at that time, there was a rave scene in Philadelphia, and I really liked that. I loved going to the raves and uh, doing doing drugs, you know, and and acting acting like a not, you know, and I, I was just a young kid that nobody knew that I, and I never told anybody my age back then. I, to be honest with you, I, I was lying to people about my age back then. And uh, those raves turned into getting, you know, doing ecstasy and other types of drugs at the raves. And I found out over time that uh, I didn't really like the raves as much as I liked the drugs. And then I figured out that when I took, when I took something to come down from the ecstasy that I actually liked what I was coming down from the ecstasy with more than I liked the ecstasy. Really? And, yeah, which, which was uh, opiates. And uh, that turned into a bigger problem.
1: Yeah, that can turn into a massive problem. Did, yeah. you, did you think you were a full-on addict?
2: Um, at the time, yeah. I was. In, I was in full belief that I was a drug addict you know I was physically withdrawing from opiates at one point in my life so yeah I had every reason to believe that I was um and uh I don't know how far you want to go into it at this point but there was there was a time where I realized that I went through a bad phase as a child but I do know that addiction exists I have a lot of it in my family on um, especially my dad's side and um and I did some things to combat that, uh, you know, because of those reasons. But uh, me personally, I haven't used drugs or alcohol in a very long time since I was a child, pretty much. And um, no drugs. Just, uh, But I wouldn't say that I'm in recovery either. I just, I, I kind of moved away from that. What
1: was the family life like? Good family life? You close with your parents?
2: So I, I was, I'm, I'm very close with my mom. Uh, my grandfather passed away a few years ago, and he was like a father to me. He he uh, he raised me, you know, the best father I could have asked for. Um, I wouldn't know what a father's like without him. And he passed a few years ago, and it was very rough, but I was blessed to be there. I was with him uh, when he passed, and he had a great life, and he was a great man. My mom, my mom is absolutely fantastic, has been supportive with me, even at my absolute worst, and, um, I put her through hell. Um, and, uh, as for my dad, he's been, he's been in and out of my life. Uh, he, I, I, w- during this interview, while we speak right now, he is currently, uh, in jail for, uh, for something, something stupid this time. It was, you know, o- drinking, I think he had an open container of alcohol and he stole some stuff from Kohl's, but, uh. You know, my dad and I, you know, I have some stepbrothers and sisters that I love. And and he, when he's when he's messed up on drugs and alcohol, he's not the best dad. So yeah. we, you know, we go on and off talking to each other.
1: So from what I understand, you're a high school dropout. I am, yeah. What grade did you drop out?
2: Going into 10th grade.
1: Going into 10th grade. Yes. So you have up to a ninth grade education. Yeah, technically, yeah. And you are the number one ethical hacker in the world. How did you get into hacking?
2: Um, it kind of it kind of just happened because I was very young, uh, and it didn't just happen. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that hap- happened in between it. But when I was very young, my grandparents had a computer at the house. And I don't know if you remember this, but back in the day, AOL used to send floppy disks in the mail, and they give you a trial. And... Um, I remember the shape of the floppy disk and I remember seeing the front of this desktop that my grandpa, I I think he brought it home from work or something back then. And I remember seeing the shape of the floppy disk and there was a little icon of it on the desktop computer. And I was like, I wonder what would happen if I put this, uh, this floppy disk in the computer. And I saw the AOL logo from the mail show up on the computer screen. And it blew my mind as a kid. <laughs> it blew my mind. I was like, how did that just happen? You know. How, how did, old
1: are you? I'm right.
2: 29.
1: No, I mean, how old are you at this time?
2: Uh, I had to have been like eight, nine years old at that time, maybe. Okay. Um, and uh, and that blew my mind and I wanted to know how it worked. You know, from that point on, I just had this obsession with how, how do computers work? Why did that just come from a piece of cardboard and show up on the screen and... Uh, You know, I I just kept learning and learning about computers and learning, you know, fixing computers and meeting people, you know, that on the Internet through AOL Instant Messenger and other other apps. And then I found um, it actually started with a a marketing marketing community at first, Um, people that were doing digital marketing back in the AOL days. So just spamming out massive amount of emails, like millions and millions of emails but then in that community there were some hackers you know people that were writing automation tools and finding exploits and finding ways to convert on ads better and this and that and i ran across this one guy who ended up going to prison later for for hacking uh, i believe it was AT&T and a few other major cellu- cellular carriers he, was, he he stole some prepaid minutes and back then prepaid minutes were a big deal so he stole millions of dollars worth of prepaid minutes with uh, his partner in crime Edwin. Which, uh, Edwin was his partner, and the guy that I'm talking about is Robert Moore, and his hacker name went, he went by Moore R. Moore R. And uh, he ended up uh, he ended up stealing these credits, and Edwin would go to these places all over the the malls and the small cell phone stores, and he would resell these credits for a cheaper price than the carriers would sell them for. So they sold, like I said a ton of those. And uh, Edwin decided to leave the country. He left the country. He was doing all this fancy stuff, private jets, yachts, hotels, girls, cars, doing it all. While Rob was sitting at home, you know, hacking for this guy. This guy wasn't doing anything but selling the minutes. And and then Rob, you know, gets a knock on the door. It's the FBI. And they, they come in. They seize everything he has. Rob ends up out of all of this, out of millions of dollars worth of sold minutes, Rob ends up with like twenty grand in profit, and two years in federal prison, and uh, they confiscated all of his stuff, everything that he had. And he gets out of prison. They uh, and Edwin's on the run. They finally get Edwin. I believe Edwin got like ten years or something, which he deserves it honestly, because uh, he took advantage of Rob in a weak weak point in Rob's life. He took advantage, and Rob is not meant for federal prison. He and you know he ended up there but yeah rob is the person that uh from the like i was saying with the instant messenger chats rob's the person that motivated me to learn about hacking and spent the time with me and showed me some things that cuz there weren't there weren't learning sites like tryhackme or or uh you know github.com or any or stack overflow or google there wasn't none of that existed back then so you couldn't look up uh know certain methodologies or hacking or how to do reconnaissance. There was there was there it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, So Rob gave me gave me some pointers. Uh, It's it's not a cookie cutter thing. Hacking is very broad.
1: So let's let's backtrack real quick. How old? So you're, I believe you said you started hacking at ten years old.
2: Eleven. Yeah. Eleven. Turning turning eleven. Yeah, about eleven.
1: So At what point are you? Conversing with with more,
2: probably when I was eleven. He might not have known I was eleven. But
1: how did you guys like? How did you find him?
2: Uh, group chats, you know, back in the AIM days.
1: How does that? I mean, how does that conversation go? <laughs> hey, I'm looking for some hackers to teach me uh, a couple things.
2: No, no, I just I was do I was marketing, and uh, and interested. You know, I was just active in the communities, and I knew what Rob was capable of. He could do some really cool stuff with a computer. And it was really just asking questions, you know. And Rob and I got along so well. And, uh, you know, I actually flew out to see him later in life uh, to Washington State. I stayed with him for a week. But, uh, you know, some, we kicked it off for some reason. I don't know what that reason was. I can't remember that far back. But uh, Rob, was, Rob was the person that helped me at least get started in what I, what I do today.
1: What were you wanting to hack in at 11?
2: I think I was more interested in just shutting people's internet connections off, like simple stuff, you know, nothing nothing crazy, and making money marketing, you know, it's, you know, a lot of 11-year-olds would probably not think about selling things on the internet, but I wasn't making a ton of money as a kid. I didn't have rich parents or anything like that, and I wanted to make money ASAP, and I knew that at digital marketing, at, like the groups that I was in, I was seeing all these people making fortunes selling, you know, one example, we... Uh, we, we were selling acai weight loss berries and it was a huge thing back in the day. Um, and there was some affiliate marketers making 30 grand a day doing AOL spams, making millions millions of uh, millions of emails per day making 30 grand a day on average. It would blow my mind. And I, I don't remember every specific about names and what programs they were on, uh, like affiliate programs they were on back then. But I knew I wanted to be involved in that. And I thought that, automating it and finding exploits in, you know, in, I guess, websites or people's people's computers uh, would enhance my my profits. And uh, it did. definitely... <laughs> 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 but then all the money that I made there, uh, all the money that made, you know, it all went to drugs and, and doing dumb stuff. But, you know, I wouldn't take it back because I learned a lot. I grew up quick. And uh, and there's some benefits there and some things that aren't so good there. But
1: well, let's let's keep let's stick with childhood hacking. So, mm-hmm. at what point in your childhood did you start making money doing this?
2: Uh, probably probably 12, 11, 12 years old. I was all, I was right into it.
1: I mean, how much money are we talking? A
2: couple grand here and there, That's which a is a lot. lot for a kid. That's yeah.
1: a lot for a twelve year old. It felt
2: like a billion dollars to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and um, so. Were you always an ethical hacker? No. What are some of the things that you've done, that you've hacked into? What's what's one of the... (laughs) Give us some examples.
2: So, uh, I guess it depends on what you want to know. Like uh, people or organizations or both.
1: Let's go into all of it.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, there's... I'm limited. I'm limited by what I could say here. I know there's a statute of limitations. I'm sure I'd be fine, but there's some things that I would. I regret that I would take back. Um, but uh, well, there is one thing out there that's public. There's a rap song that mentions me. Uh, about you know, are you familiar with crypto mining? Like, yes. Okay. So uh, I hacked a ton of computers. Uh, I, I had a method. I won't explain the method because it still could work today, um, where I could infect computers with malware. And a lot of people that infect computers with malware which is just people you know if you don't know what malware is it comes in various forms but the type that I'm talking about is called a remote access trojan and that's like the equivalent of me standing in front of your computer uh with full access to it and i can you know i can look through your webcam i can control your keyboard your mouse look at your screen do anything i want without you knowing that i'm there and um i infected a ton of computers and instead of having the remote access Trojan functionality where I could do, you know, I could take control of these computers, I decided to do crypto mining. Um, so at that time, it was just Bitcoin and uh, Litecoin, and um, you know, I had quite, quite a bit of uh, infected computers mining at all times. Uh, the thing that I did that was if you could say nice, uh, was that when the computer was idle, it would use 100% of the, the processor and the graphics card to mine the coins. Um, and when the computer was in use, it would only use 20%. So they wouldn't you know, have a horrible experience with their computer just being bogged down the entire time. But uh, that was, uh, I guess, when so Bitcoin you had, started around so that time. So you had
1: hacked into how many computers? 100?
2: Thousands thousands of of thousands. Yeah, probably tens of thousands.
1: And so all of these these tens of thousands computers are mining cryptocurrency and going into your account
2: They were going into a pool. So uh, pooled mining is a lot of people mining together and then all of the uh, Whoever's putting in the most like I guess the the reward is split based upon the um Uh, The contribution. So, if you're contributing twice as much as me, you'll get twice as much of a profit. Um, So, it was all being sent to a specific pool offshores. Why did that stop? Um, I I have morals, you know. And uh, (laughs) there was there was there was a situation that came up where obviously the bots, you know, if let's say I had to change a pool or something went wrong, they had to be updated across the board, you know, every single bot would have to be updated to be pointed at a different address. Um, I still had access to be able to do that. And I was in, in a community at that time with some bad people who wanted to, you know, kind of buy access to my bots and I wasn't okay with that. And, um, it kind of lined up perfectly with another business opportunity that I had in life where I kind of just said, you know what, screw this, I'm done, I'm not taking the risk. You know, if I get in trouble with what they call a botnet, uh, if I get in trouble with this botnet, I'm doing a long time in prison, and it's just, it's not worth it to me. I, I can't get in trouble. And uh, I stopped. I stopped on my own will. I didn't get caught. Um, there was people that knew about it. You know, hackers, they, they may not have known it was me. Now Now they know it's me, but at the time, they didn't know that it was me. Um, but no, I didn't get caught and I'm past the statute of limitations. I didn't hurt anybody. Maybe, maybe your power bill went up a couple cents, but that's about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that was the extent of that specific, uh, hack.
1: Was that, was that the one that, was that the, the hack that changed you, that turned you into ethical or, or was there?
2: Oh uh, I would say, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, yeah, because, um. Around that time, I switched to doing cybersecurity and and uh, starting the other businesses that that you know we're going to talk about. It's so yeah, I would say yeah, yeah. I, I never really thought of it till now, but that's when that's yeah. I would say that's when I became an ethical hacker rather than a gray hat or a black hat hacker.
1: What what is a gray hat hacker?
2: Gray hat is in between. So somebody that like uh, for example, if I went to your website, I hacked your website and I sent you an email and said, "Hey, I found a vulnerability on your site." You could call you know, the FBI and say, hey, this guy just hacked my site and I didn't give him permission, or you could say thank you. You know, that's a gray hat hacker.
1: And a black hat?
2: Black hat just, you know, takes over your website, tells you, hey, you better pay me or I'm releasing all your information or deleting your site. And uh here's all the information about you and your wife and your family and everything, blah, 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 blah. blah. Uh black hat hackers are, you know, they, they're kind of ruthless.
1: So you're in the cryptocurrency business. Being a hacker, or you were, would, is this the way of the future? Are we going to, what do you think? What's your opinion on this?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, cybersecurity and keeping yourself protected on the internet is the future. If you're not paying attention to that now, uh, you, I mean, and you're not seeing your browser that's warning you, the TV that's warning you, the constant news, the constant ransomware notices. I mean, if you haven't heard about the active breaches right now on all of these major websites, and you're not doing anything about it, you really should start because it is the future and it's only gonna get more uh, intense and it's only gonna get more dangerous. And uh, everything that you have, like, you know, is attached to the internet, everything. I mean, unless you live out in the middle of nowhere with no internet connection, and even even the power in your house is controlled by a, a remote switch, you know? Like, what if I turned off your power for a week and you live out in the middle of nowhere? You just, you really have to take your security seriously. That's just a random thought, but it's a possibility.
1: I meant, I actually, I'm glad you brought that up, but I actually meant cryptocurrency. What's your opinion on cryptocurrency? Mm. Is it here to stay? It's very volatile.
2: Very volatile. Uh, I think that Bitcoin's here to stay.
1: Do you? Yeah. Are yeah. you all in on Bitcoin?
2: Um, can't confirm or deny. <laughs>
1: Would you like to see Bitcoin?
2: I would love to see Bitcoin hit the moon. I mean, it's doing well at this moment. It's around thirty grand, but uh, I would love to see what it was projected to be at in the hundred thousands, possibly a million a coin.
1: You think that's possible?
2: Absolutely. I mean, it was when I started, it was only you know maybe a couple of dollars at the most Damn. per coin.
1: Damn. <clears throat> well, what brought you to South Florida?
2: I I got so. I started a, a marketing company for uh, to help people get into drug and alcohol rehab, and uh, for anyone that's familiar with that topic, they're going to think, okay, well, he had a marketing company. He was doing a thing called patient brokering, which is a felony, and I was not doing that. I didn't even know what that was at the time. I just knew I could generate leads from the internet, and I started this company called The Treatment Source, uh, which was just a website that they filled out a survey And the survey would bring them to a 1-800 number uh, if they had mental health or substance abuse. uh, They changed the term, substance use issues. Um, And I would then send those patients or clients to uh, a drug and alcohol rehab in South Florida. And I was generating a ton of clients and doing really well with the internet marketing campaigns. And one day I get a call from a guy who says to, you know, he was like, hey, you won't come to Flor- Fort Lauderdale Airport right now. And this is like, you know, right when I'm waking up. And I was like, yeah, I will. Like, I was just, you know, he thought I was joking. I called him a couple hours later. I booked my flight and uh, I was like, hey, I'm at the Fort Lauderdale Airport. He didn't believe me. And he picks me up at the airport and, um, he, you know, he was blown away that I even showed up there. But, you know, I had just like a week's worth of stuff packed with me. And when I got back to his house, we were talking about, you know, like, the rehab business and, you know, the marketing and all the, the intricacies of the industry. And we became good friends at that point. And um, I, I uh, you know, I was thinking, well, why don't I start a rehab? You know, like, maybe maybe I could do this myself if I can generate the business for a rehab Maybe we can we could do it together. So he was like, yeah, well, I own one now, obviously, because he was one of my, my customers at that time. And he decided to sell his shares in his rehab and use that to buy, uh, or I'm sorry, to invest into one with me. And uh, we started a treatment center together. And uh, I decided to move to Florida. So I went back to PA. I put my car on the back of a U-Haul, filled it up with all my stuff, drove down to Florida from Pennsylvania and never looked back and started a uh, drug and alcohol and mental health facility.
1: How old are you at this point? 22. You started a rehab at age 22?
2: Yeah, I think I was the youngest owners in the treatment world at that time, yeah.
1: Wow. What, so what was your motivation for this? Because you are, from from our research, you are all about helping humans.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So my motivation was, um, you know, I, like I said earlier that, you know, my family, uh, my dad's side specifically had some serious drug issues, still still dealing with them. I went through some serious drug issues. Uh, I, you know, a lot of friends of mine have gone through drug issues or still going through drug issues. Um, and I just, you know, I maybe I got this from my mom, my grandma, my grandpa, but like, I just love to help people. I don't know what it is. It's it makes me happy. And uh, I guess, what would that be, hospitality? It's, uh, hospitality has always just been something that makes me happy.
1: Well, you had some pretty tragic experiences as well, if I remember correctly. Do you want to go into any of those?
2: Uh, uh, well, there's a lot of them. So are you talking more of the addiction side of things? or Yeah, a,
1: you had a couple friends die.
2: Mm-hmm. So I've had a lot of friends die due to... Uh, to heroin overdose or carfentanil, fentanyl, butrylfentanil, acetylfentanil, all of the different fentanyls that are getting over here and being, you know, put in this, in heroin. And, and I understand that they chose to use drugs regardless of what was in it, but they definitely weren't planning on dying. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you, uh, I mean, I lost my my Uncle Richie to an overdose. Um, I lost my best friend Ricky uh, Rivas to an overdose. and. Uh, I was, you know, I'll tell you that story because this is, this is how something else happened, but I got a call from uh, from Ricky's parents uh, a couple years back, and uh, and they were like, you know, I haven't heard from Ricky since this morning, and uh, do you mind going over there and checking on him? And he was about a 15-minute drive from me, and he wasn't answering my phone calls, and at this time, he wasn't on drugs. He wasn't messing up or anything. He worked for me at the rehab, and we spent every day together, Um so i go to his i go to his uh condo. I walk in the door and uh you know I look to my left and I see him in the bathroom and he had his face up against the uh the vanity and you know he was wearing his wearing his shorts, and I saw that he had a needle and a spoon and just you know it didn't look good, so I ran over and I tried to wake him up and he wasn't waking up, so i called nine one one and uh, I'm running down through the elevator to go to get... I didn't even, I didn't think anything was wrong with him, so I didn't bring Narcan upstairs or anything. Like, Narcan's what saves opiate addicts from overdosing, so I ran to my car, I grabbed that. 911's telling me what to do. I get back to the room, and... Uh, you know, they told me to take him off the toilet and put him on the floor. And his body was still in the position that it was in when I saw oh, him sitting shit. there. And his face was sideways from being on the vanity. And I'm still in denial at this point. I gave him the Narcan in his leg. I was, uh, you know, giving him CPR like they said to do. And um, I just, uh, uh, I remember when the the cops showed up and the ambulance showed up. They they uh, They didn't talk to his parents. I did. I told his parents that their son was gone, and uh, which I thought was a little bit ridiculous. I thought that the detective should be the one handling that, especially with how I was, you know, I wasn't, I was crying my eyes out. Like, he lost my best friend, you know? No. Um,
1: I lost my best friend to addiction too. Yeah? Yep.
2: Oh. So, <clears throat> go ahead.
1: Sorry. Yeah, my best friend. Uh, he was a seal. I worked with him at the agency. Uh, he experienced a lot of trauma. Became addicted to opiates uh, for injuries. Then that just became a you know straight addiction. They cut the pills. He went to heroin, and um, he. I spent a lot of time trying to get him better, moved in with me, got him back on his feet, got his family involved, got him into therapy. I mean, it was, I love this motherfucker, you know, we'd been through a lot of shit together. And um, he he was a phenomenal hockey player. And, you know, I used to live in Boca Raton too. And, and so he would, he lived uh, right by me. And he kept telling me he wanted to start this hockey nonprofit for wounded warriors, and that he was going to get the Panthers to sponsor it. Now, he wasn't—he's one of the smartest human beings I've ever met in my life, even when he was high. But as it got worse and worse, he—I mean, you he didn't even just his appearance—you didn't even want to be around him. He just looked sick. And I was in the back of my head. I was like, "Yeah, okay, you're gonna get the Panthers on board." Well, I'll be damned! The son of a bitch got the fucking Panthers wow. on board. <laughs> and um, he, I, th- I think it was the the first NHL team to sponsor um, a wounded war. You had to be a disabled veteran to play on the hockey team. Okay. They he had somebody helping him. The Panthers called the guy that was helping him to tell him, "Hey." we're gonna do it we're gonna sponsor the team you got the nhl sponsor we're gonna sponsor the team that guy went over to tell him hey dude you did it yeah and uh nobody answered the door and uh trying to keep my shit together here but um i understand yeah he didn't answer the door um got on a stool to see you know the top part and and there he was, laying on the floor, you know. And um,
2: sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, I know. So I, I know what it feels like. I know.
1: just wanna want you to know I can relate, and uh, I've lost a lot of lot of friends to addiction.
2: Likewise, and, uh, that was the first one, obviously, that happened to me, and uh, and I, you know, I found them, and uh, it's I can't explain that, and you know, I can't bring them back. But what you can do is educate people and try to help more people so that doesn't happen to them. And you can't fix everybody. You know, you can't get it through everybody's head that they need to stop, and it's dangerous, and it's not just heroin and opiates like it used to be. It's, uh, you know, it's coke, it's meth, it's, uh, it's painkillers that are pressed, it's Xanax. It's, they all are being cut with fentanyl. This isn't a conspiracy theory, it's fact. I mean, the number one leading cause of death, 18 to 49 right now, is fentanyl. Um, that's more than car accidents, more than anything else. 18 to 49 years old. Fentanyl. So any drug that you're doing, you have to be careful that you know well, not be careful. You have to you have to just try to get away from it or get a testing kit if you if you refuse to stop doing drugs, get testing kits because fentanyl will kill you. Yeah. And uh yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough, but with the rehab uh program at, around that time, not not long before I lost Ricky, I lost another friend drew and uh, and my business partner at that time, you know him and I, we both you know were friends with drew, and i was I was closer with uh, with Ricky. and um we decided to start a scholarship program and it was called uh, we named it the drew Drew Badgery Scholarship Program, which was to help people get into drug rehab that didn't have the financial means to to pay. And the reason you know that's important is because when I was a kid, I didn't have private health insurance or or money, so there was no way I was going to a nice facility like one I had or other ones in Florida or other states that are private the the um the government facilities you know they take Medicare or Medicaid, but some of them have two three three-month wait, waiting lists addicts can't wait two three months you know they die, and you know as you know they could take it could take one bad dose they're dead yeah. so Having a private facility and somebody that really wants to get clean, uh, it's if if they don't have the right insurance or the right money, you have to turn them down. And it just bothered me so much that uh, you can't help somebody that I was in their shoes. You know, I wanted help, or or people in my family wanted help and couldn't get it. And I, I started that scholarship program with my old business partner, and we brought a ton of people in, probably over a hundred in in the seven years, seven or so years that I was there. Um, it, it may be even more than that, but at least, a, at least a hundred and, um, you know, full scholarship, no, not a, do, they didn't spend a dollar and a lot of them did well. Some of them relapsed, you know, you can't fix everybody, but, uh, you know, it, we turned that it, after, after, you know, time went on, we, we adapted to how, you know, the, the scholarship program, we, we. Built programs around that. We built programs around trauma. We built programs around, you know, specifically mental health, specifically uh, co-occurring mental health and substance use disorder, all, all kinds of different things. Uh, and then we branched out till we opened a detox, which was another facility, because uh, at that point we had partial hospitalization, uh, intensive outpatient and outpatient, but we didn't have detox. So we were sending them to other facilities and then we would take them. So then we had two facilities. And then we realized, okay, well, a lot of our people we were getting are coming from New Jersey or Pennsylvania, New York, Virginia, Massachusetts, up in that area. So we decided to start another facility in New Jersey. And uh we started uh it was called the Shore Detox, but it got changed again. The name of it got changed. And um I sold my shares in, in the rehab about two and a half, two and a half, three years ago, right around the time that uh that I started to, you know, catch the predators. Um, and I got into the software as a service world and buying software companies and operating them and selling them. So,
1: you are an amazing human being, man. Thanks. To 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 do something that has that amount of impact at that young age—I mean, that's just just to do it in general is amazing, you know. And you did it at what? What'd you say, twenty-two? Twenty-two,
2: yeah. That's incredible. You realize that? Uh-huh. I I appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm still on it. I'm still on the mission. It's not over, you know. Good for you. Man. It's uh there's so much more to come. And and one spot that I forgot there was the uh electronic medical record system that we use, like the same thing you would see at your doctor when they put in notes about you being, you know, at the your visit. Um, we used one called uh I won't say the name, but we used one and uh and I got involved with those guys afterwards. And uh Like after I sold my shares, I went right to their office and I set up one of those plastic tables, put my computer in there. Even though I wasn't involved at that time in that business, um, I wanted to work out of their office because I liked the software world. And uh, at that point, I wasn't sure if I was going to do digital marketing or I was going to do cybersecurity or both. But being around them every day, I was like, yeah, I got to do it with them. So I got involved with their businesses and then we decided together we're going to do a ton of software companies. And uh, that's where we're at now, like I said, with Pentester.com and, and many more. But that's the one that makes the most sense to talk about here today.
1: Well, let's, uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll dive into that. Okay. Cool. I want to tell you all about this new meat delivery service I found called Moink. What I really, really like about Moink is they are from a small, rural farm town in Missouri, LaBelle, Missouri, right by where I grew up. And I love supporting small-town business USA. Now, when I started looking into Moink, they educated me on the meat industry. And I want to share with you all a couple of facts, according to Moink Magazine. 60% of all pork is produced by one company in the U.S., and that is 100% owned By the Chinese. Four companies control over 80% of the meat industry in the United States. More than 10,000 different additives are allowed in the U.S. food supply. 99% of chicken, 95% of hogs, 78% of cattle in the U.S. are raised in confinement buildings or feedlots means they're not moving around freely. 80% of the antibiotics consumed in the U.S. are fed to animals. Here's a stat. In 2016, 18.4 million pounds of antibiotics were sold for livestock. And that's what you're eating. Suicide rates amongst farmers are the highest than any other profession. And that includes veterans, believe it or not. I found that alarming. Now, here's... What Moink is doing to combat some of this stuff, which I really appreciate. Their livestock is 100% born and raised and harvested humanely in the United States of America. Their farms practice regenerative agricultural methods. They are free of GMOs, antibiotics, and all hormones. Their Alaska salmon is wild caught. Their beef and lamb are grass fed and grass finished. Their boxes ship from rural America, right in small town Missouri. Love it. Their chicken and pork are pasture-raised. So, guys, check them out. Moink. Keep America farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com SRS. Right now, listeners on this show, get free bacon in your first box. It will be the best bacon you will ever taste, but it's only for a limited time. It's spelled moink- M-O-I-N-K box.com slash S-R-S. That's moinkbox.com slash S-R-S. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of The Sean Ryan Show is sponsored by HVMN's Ketone IQ. Ketone IQ can help you with energy, focus, appetite control, endurance, and recovery, They now have these super convenient little mini shots you can take with you on the go, or you can get the OG that has multiple shots and one thing, keep it in the fridge, keep it cold. That's how I like to take it with these new shots. Slam it down, get the energy and focus you need throughout the day. I take this supplement before my morning workout. I also take it. When I'm studying for these long interviews, and I take it during the interviews, keeps me going, keeps me energetic. I think this would be a great supplement for all of you to try. They're also available in your local Sprout stores. So if you live near Sprouts, head over there, go get yourself some Ketone IQ, get energized. Definitely a unique opportunity here in offering my audience 20% off your order of Ketone IQ. You can find Ketone IQ at hvmn.com. Use the promo code Sean at checkout to save twenty percent plus. If you subscribe, you can save even more. This stuff is great for daily use. Promo code Sean again. That's hvmn.com. Promo code Sean for twenty percent off Ketone IQ. All right, Ryan, we're back from the break. We're getting ready to dive into your company pen tester. So what is pentester?
2: Pentester is a software solution for cybersecurity uh, and protection. So we it, it, you know there's a pen test, a manual pen test where somebody would go on into your company or a group of people where they would check down a list of boxes of things for your compliance, uh, look for vulnerabilities based upon your platform and give you a report of findings, uh, you know, vulnerabilities. Uh, pentester.com it can get confusing because pen testing and pen com are like pen testing is a term. Pen com is the name of my company. OK. Um, and, uh, you know, what we do is we try to automate as much of what a pen test, uh, a pen tester would do uh, digitally. So pen tester.com is an automated web scanning framework. As of right now, we're building it out to be more of a um, more than than just a web scanner and um, sorry, I'm getting mixed up. No, it's, it's fine. It's,
1: so let me let me just ask this then. So
2: it's hard to explain, so I'm trying to make everybody understand.
1: Let me, yeah, I get it, because I'm a dummy with this stuff. Not so. you, not. <laughs> Um, so let me ask you a question then. So if I go to pentester.com and I type in seanryanshow.com, yeah, what, what kind of vulnerabilities might I have? Here's my website. I basically, I sell gummy bears on it. <laughs> and uh we post upcoming episodes. your episode's gonna be on there uh we collect email addresses mm-hmm. um for a database to to uh we send out a free newsletter all the time right and then we got like some if you wanna if you wanna apply for a job here every once in a while we'll post that they can uh run their resumes. We just did a thing where we're looking for a new Video editor for shorts, and mm-hmm. they're sending in a bunch of. Um, we have having a competition for it, but for so, for a website like and we have advertising in, inquiries for a website like that, it's run off Shopify.
2: What, Shopify. what okay. kind of
1: vulnerabilities would I be looking at?
2: So, you're the there's many things. The first thing that came to mind was uh, was email breaches. So, if you have like Contact at Sean dot uh, Is that your website,
1: seanryan.com?
2: dot com? dot So uh, contact at seanryanshow.com or you know Sean Ryan at, at the website or any anyone that works here. I can I can look up that domain with Pentester and see if it's been involved in any breaches or if it's been involved in any uh, botnet traffic where it's scraped all of the cookies and passwords from people's browsers. Okay. That would
1: hold on. What is bot, botnet what, tracking? Traffic. Botnet traffic.
2: Right, so let's say you were infected with some type of malware, and that person grabs from your your Chrome or your Safari all of the saved passwords and all of the, the sessions, like a website. To be signed into a website, you have to have a session. So if I took that session and replaced mine with yours, now I'm you, without a password. So some of that stuff gets released on the dark web or or you know uh it's Tor, I like to call it Tor, T O R, the onion router. That's what the dark web is. Um but it gets released there and sometimes on the publicly facing web. And uh a lot of people aren't aware of what information is actually out there. So when you put your website into pentester uh, you get a preliminary report that shows all of that data that has been exposed related to your domain name. Well, it goes a little further than that because let's say it doesn't find anything. Maybe you're a brand new website and, you know, Shopify is, is doing a good job with all of the plugins you're using. Because remember, each one of those plugins is by an individual creator that could have messed up at any point in their code. So you're only as strong as your your strongest plugin. Um so that's one thing there. Shopify has their own security, and then you have your own security based on your plugins. Uh, as for the emails, let's say I get nothing with the SeanRyanShow.com. Now I'm going to start looking into the Gmail accounts of, you know, Gmail, Hotmail, AOL, Yahoo, whatever, uh, of all of your employees, your family, and then I'm going to see breaches associated with them, which I guarantee you that there is. Like, I, I am so sure that if I pulled my laptop out and I put in one of your personal emails that I will have at least one of your passwords. And that password could be reused for Shopify, or maybe it's used to access that list of data with your customers that you were saying. You have uh, the client list, the newsletters, the the applicants for you know the jobs. Uh, it, maybe it's the same password you use for that. And now I have access to that data that I could either ransom you with, I could escalate my permissions on Shopify with, and take over your entire site. Uh, maybe it's the credentials to your social media platform. Uh, like uh, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, whatever you, whatever you're on, you know those credentials could be reused. So it is important, like as you said, using a password manager, because all it takes is someone like me, or, with a bad, you know, bad moral compass, to take advantage of everything that you that you have.
1: Could you, could you demonstrate that right now? Yeah. Just type it in my email.
2: Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> I'll try the Sean Ryan show first. dot com right
1: yeah
2: okay, so we have there is some some sensitive information but nothing uh Nothing that would be a big deal. I can show you. I could show it to you, actually, if you want. It's not going to hurt anything. Yeah, let's see it. So it's not, this isn't specifically passwords there. Um, but uh, it is what came from, you know, leaks on the internet. This isn't, you know, it isn't anything other than uh, leaked data. So nothing there is sensitive to my, to my eyes.
1: So we're doing a good
2: job. For The Sean Ryan Show, but if you throw in one of your Gmails there or something, any other email that you may be using for a long period of time.
1: Just type it in here?
2: Yep. Take a second to load. It's, it loads over 140 billion records. Nothing. Nothing on that website. Is there's two E's supposed to be there? Yeah. yeah I would assume so. No shit. There's I don't All see All right, my any, IT
1: guy's gonna uh live to see another paycheck.
2: Well it's not it's not your IT <laughs> guy though. <laughs> Even uh that one just doesn't seem to be registered with a bunch of accounts. Like for example, if you were in two thousand nineteen LinkedIn breach for or, or like or Dropbox, if you use any of that, like vigilante eh, Vigilance or, elite. I, I keep saying com. vigilante, I'm sorry. Vig- uh, Vigilance Elite, um, I do have this <laughs> password. <laughs> and I do have the address. Whose in, address? In, uh, I have an apartment in Interesting. I have uh, an IP address for <laughs> I have an address in f- where we're at right now with the zip code ending in 64 and a phone number ending in
1: All that shit's on there.
2: Yeah, and I have a lot more than that. If you want to take a look yourself.
1: Oh yeah, let me take a look.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm halfway through, but you can scroll up and down. How do we clean this up? You can't. You just got to change. You got to change the information if you don't want it there. There is no way to get rid of it.
1: Okay, so what? Oh my gosh.
2: So that's why small and medium sized businesses that don't realize that they're a target, they're more of a target than they think, uh, they get attacked um, because they either have exposed credentials out there or they're using old technology and they just get grouped in with a ton of other people that are, you know, similar targets. Uh, and a lot of them don't realize they need to take their cybersecurity more seriously. And Pentester, like, and I'm, this is kind of like a shameless plug, but like for 50 bucks a month, it's it's worth the money. You know we are the cheapest to my knowledge in the cybersecurity world, and we're not only giving you a software solution, but we're giving you a hands-on, you know, manual confirmation for anything that we're not sure of. So for 50 bucks, like, if someone would have offered that to me uh, prior to being a hacker myself, I, I was a little kid, but let's just say I wasn't ever. You know, I w- I'd be more than happy to pay 50 dollars a month for something like this. This is just one of the one of many things we offer. Okay. You know, there's, there's, <coughs> so, is yeah.
1: is my website safe for customers?
2: That's up to you to decide. I mean, I haven't run a scan. This is just a breach check. Oh, that's just a breach check. Yeah, yeah. And this is we have more records than literally anyone else on the internet. So we we're gonna be able to tell you more than than uh than most you know most people. Some people are gonna have access to these private databases that we have as well as the public ones. Um, but if you download certain other competition websites that say... Or I'm sorry, sign up for other competition websites that say um, that they offer breach protection or the leak leak uh, protection. Bre- breach or leak protection is what they'll say. Um, they don't have a database as big as ours. I'm sure of it. I mean, I'm very confident in that. And this is without running... Like I said, this is without running a scan. So... You know, like I'll keep it. I'll keep the computer ready for when you want to see a face, but I'll show you how wild that can get. Let's do that. Oh, you want to see it? Yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> so, describe what you're gonna do. So I'm gonna. Do you want? I could do my face, your face, anyone's face that you want to do. Does it? you just telling me whose yeah, face. Yeah, we can do my face. Okay. It's gonna be a lot of pictures of you, obviously because of your podcast, but.
1: So basically, what you're doing is you're taking a photo of me. It's gonna. Do the facial recognition and find every image on the internet that has my face in it. Yeah. Whether I'm tagged in it or not. Yeah, Like, it's strict. You could find my face in the middle of uh, the Super Bowl stadium.
2: As long as it's on the internet. So, yeah. Let me take a picture and send it to myself. Um, okay. So I took a picture of your face, and you can see. It's just a picture that this has never been on the Internet, right? That is a really good-looking man right there. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I uploaded that to uh, to here.
1: So you took a picture.
2: Yep. And it's, now-, now you can go through these and see if there's anything that's not. The, not I don't know if there's going to be anything that you don't want on there or not. But if you click them, it will give you a link to where uh, where that picture's hosted at. But remember, I used a picture that was never on the Internet to find those photos of you. So it measured your face. It measured 120 points on your face, associated a picture that's never touched the Internet with you. And uh, for somebody that doesn't have as big of a following or as many photos out there, there may be less results. But you could be in a photo that you're not aware of or uh, or there could be some stuff out there that you would wanna be aware of.
1: Oh, wow, this is really, this is like everything. Yeah. It just keeps going. Cool stuff. <laughs> That's insane.
2: <clears throat> like most people, you'd be crazy not to pay $50 for that as a business, it's just, it, getting that messaging in somebody's in somebody's hands, or uh, and, and, well, I'm sorry, in somebody's brain, when they look at the website or they, they see an ad for, hey, are you taking your cybersecurity seriously? Um, and then they run their website through a light scan, they see, here's some breach credentials, here's some pictures that we found on your site, here's some vulnerabilities, and you have an option to sign up for free, which you get a, your preliminary report for free, and then you have your option for $50 for a small business and you just say, you know what? Screw it. I don't need that. I just, I can't comprehend why you wouldn't want that. So, yeah.
1: Damn. Let's talk about the dark web. So sure. I hear a lot about the dark web. Well, yeah. It's buzzword. You can a buzz buy word. drugs on it. You can find child pornography on it. You can, you, it sounds like it's just the the black market, the new black market, correct? Yeah. So what, I've heard about it. I know about it. I know it's all stuff you shouldn't be doing, but how do you get on it? What? It, where is it?
2: Okay, so the dark web itself isn't a marketplace like what you're thinking. Right? So the so the black market or whatever you want to call it. Once you're connected to the dark web tour, the onion router, what I was explaining before, you still need to know where to go to visit these horrible websites, and they're like you know imagine. A very long string of letters and numbers and the website instead of dot com it'd be dot onion you can't visit those websites in a regular browser you have to do that while you're connected to the onion router which you could download at the tors website and then you could go to a thing called like the hidden wiki and the hidden wiki will show you all different categories of these websites with a link to them and uh and there's marketplaces. There's horrible things on there, like you said for kids, and uh, and even like murder for hire. There's there's counterfeit money. There's fake IDs. You know, there are all, all kinds of different websites that do horrible things.
1: What is the Onion Router?
2: So the Onion Router is a um, is a tool, an open source uh, project that was created to uh, anonymize your traffic on the internet. And it decentralizes, I think, I believe decentralize would be the word for it, uh, your internet traffic. It keeps you anonymous beyond a VPN. I would still recommend that you use a virtual private network on top of Tor if you want to be anonymous. But uh, it's just a layer of security that's free. And it keeps it... It's like for example, let's say you use uh, Comcast for your internet service provider. Um, they could see that you're using Tor, uh, but they can't see what you're looking at. Um, if you use a VPN and then you use Tor, they can they they can only tell you're using a VPN, but they can't tell you're using Tor. So it's you know it, it's a just an internet within an internet.
1: So can I get on? Can I check my email through the dark web? Yes. Would you, can you go reccom- to any website? Would you recommend using the dark web to just do regular? It's slow as hell. Internet yeah. stuff. It's it very is-
2: slow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, you could, but and it would it would keep you safer, but it's it's not going to it's not a foolproof way to keep yourself safe and it's painstakingly slow.
1: Okay. Do you use the dark web?
2: Uh, for investigations, yeah.
1: What kind of investigations?
2: Um, for like the predator pre- predator and pedophile cases, yeah.
1: So, are you able to track these guys down from the dark web even though they're technically anonymous?
2: Um, a lot of times it doesn't need to go that far. Uh, a lot of times these guys will use their regular emails or they'll use an IP address that's been, uh, you know, they'll reuse for multiple emails, uh, or their face that they're using as their profile picture. I, I can, you know, find them from ba- the same way I just found your face or they're using a, a phone number that traces right back to them. Uh, the dark web, you know, it's, it's not really a huge part of, uh, catching predators and, and pedophiles, um. Uh, one one thing, I, I guess the only thing on the dark web, quote unquote, I hate that word, but the dark web, quote unquote, that I had access to was when I originally hacked the website that we're going to talk about, they branched out to have not only a website on the clear net on the regular internet, but their website was mirrored on the dark web. And I had three back doors in their system and, uh, and, it branched out uh, over to the dark web. So I had a back door on the dark web too, which was kind of a cool thing to have. So I needed to be connected to Tor, the Onion router, to connect to my back door. But that was, uh, I was only using that back door to exfiltrate data every single day, which was just user information because uh, I didn't want to get their posts or anything. I didn't want to be in possession of anything horrible that they mm-hmm. were sending each other. But I, their user info was enough for us as... I'm sure you'll learn shortly.
1: Yeah. What are some things that people can do to protect themselves from from hackers? What let's actually let me rephrase this quote. Let me back up. What are some vulnerabilities? Just let's go through all the things that you personally could hack if you wanted to.
2: Um I mean there's it's countless, but I could give you some major daily things uh absolutely
1: let's talk about some of the devices those devices you have right here let's talk about all the stuff you can hack into sure and then and then we'll get into maybe how we can prevent that a little bit
2: so i guess we'll just start with a daily routine you know you wake up in the morning you uh you make your coffee or maybe you take your phone off the charger and you um you you check your phone in the morning you might you might check your email you might have you got to make sure you every email that you have while you're half asleep is coming from a real person. It's not a phishing email. Someone pretending to be a company that they're not stealing your credentials. Then you go outside to your garage, you get in your car and you have to make sure that there's nobody out there listening for your, you know, your car key frequency while jamming your car so that they could steal your car later or access your car later. And then when you go hit your garage door button that somebody doesn't capture that frequency on 433 megahertz. And, uh, and you know, and th- those rolling codes have already been broken for most of the models. Um, so then you get in your car and you're driving to uh, to to your office or to your, to your kid's school, do, doing whatever you want. And um, you know, you could get out, you let your your kid out to school, and now somebody, uh, as you walk into school, just skimmed your back pocket and stole your credit card information. So I mean, uh, all of that plus you know, any anything remote, infrared, like a TV remote that goes for projectors. Uh, audio devices, ceiling fans, I mean, very simple stuff, uh, along with access control badges, uh, anything sub-gigahertz, like, like key fobs or remote controls for anything, um, parking gates, so much. Everything. Everything. I mean, everything, anything with a battery and a connection or remote connection in any type of way where it reaches the outside of that device is hackable or has been hacked.
1: What are these devices here?
2: This is a water bottle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this right here is a, uh, this is a Flipper Zero with some uh, custom modifications. And uh, it does a lot. So this is just a proof of concept device. But when you start to add your own little additions onto it like this, um, let me me enable, for example, Wi-Fi. I'm not going to, hack your Wi-Fi, but I'll give you a little example of what I could do. Thank I'll just do you. something stupid, but. Okay, and then we'll do, I'm not going to shut your network down. Okay, so now if you, if I can show you on my phone or you can look at your phone, but you'll see that Instead of me mirroring your network, I just created a bunch of fake networks. So all of these networks here, they probably appear to be legitimate, right? Yeah. But they're not.
1: These are all fake networks? They're
2: all powered by me. So as soon as you connect to any of those, I have your password, I have anything in between. So that's that's one thing. That's just Wi-Fi.
1: And you just, oh man. So this is so this is is this how people are stealing information?
2: This is one in, of many ways
1: in in an airport.
2: In an airport? Oh yeah. I mean, airport, Starbucks. Um, when you, uh, it's called a man in the middle attack. So if I'm on the same network as you, I can essentially control the traffic. Uh, you know, as if I was the modem or router. So instead of when you type google.com, instead of your computer telling the router you want google.com, you're telling my computer you want google.com and I'm giving you what I what, what I'm telling you google.com is. So that would be called a DNS DNS attack. So
1: is this what people are using in the airports when there's I not mean not this specific I've heard
2: device. This is just something that I concocted together, but the, the flipper you can buy, this thing on the top here is is uh, custom
1: I guess what I'm asking is this the method? They thro- so could you can so let's what is um, what like Wi-Fi flight or, uh, GoGo,
2: GoGo in flight? Yes, GoGo. Oh, they're they're actually. I mean, you can obviously you can hack anything, but GoGo in flight they they have a pretty good segment on their network, so you're pretty safe with GoGo. Uh, you, there's a chance of getting hacked, but not the same as like a Starbucks or a or here. Like, you know, your network has to be segmented into chunks. Okay. And uh Go Go segments it pretty well.
1: Okay. I guess what I'm saying is could you create a fake Wi Fi network with that thing that says Go Go in flight one.
2: Yeah. I people could, are I like, could do Oh, that, that must be yeah. it. I could do that here. I mean it's I can make any any they're called BSSIDs, s SSIDs, the name of a network. You could do that with any name. But instead of that, what you do is you just scan the local area. And then, you know, I know all the network's names around here. And then I'll target all of them at the same time. So that that way anyone in this complex or where we're at, um, you know, anyone that connects to a network is going to, you know, think it's their network. And they're going to connect to me instead.
1: Holy shit. That's
2: just one of many Wi-Fi attacks. So there's many ways. Yeah. What else can this
1: thing do? Um, this thing's like the size of the palm of your hand.
2: Yeah, well, with this with this little, you know, custom extension, especially when I have my big, these aren't the big antennas, but I got big antennas because, you know, I want to get long range. But, uh, you know, that's Wi-Fi. This, this side of things is also Wi-Fi, but uh, also it, it, it's an NRF24. Uh, so it does wireless mice and keyboards. So if you use a wireless mouse and keyboard, not every single one of them is vulnerable, but a lot, but a lot of them are. I'd highly recommend you go back to Wired, even though it sounds old school. That's what you should do, because I could control your mouse and keyboard with this device and send keystrokes way faster than you can type them and uh, take over your computer without even having to see you or it. So I could do that through the wall. Um,
1: this is scaring the shit out of me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, and then, I, uh, you know, I, the sub-gigahertz stuff with bigger antennas, of course, I can go further away. So with car car keys, garages, gates, anything that's on radio frequency, I could do with this. Um, RFID, uh, that's access control badges for doors and and pool keys, you know, anything that has like a little beeper where you beep into the, the door. Yeah. And NFC is credit cards and access control. And it does also uh, some more things too. You could also like, I could tap your phone and give you my Instagram or tap your phone and give you my business card. So NFC is a little more uh, versatile than RFID, but they both essentially are, uh, I believe it's called passive uh, devices. They're, they're powered by the, uh, the receiver. They don't have a battery in them.
1: So what, let's just run through just a list of all the things you can hack with that one little device.
2: I mean, I don't want to make it into an ad about Flipper because it's not Flipper itself. Like, I'll tell you, but I'm just saying that Flipper itself, if you're going to go online and buy one of these and expect to be able to do everything that I'm talking about, you need to have custom firmware or software, whatever you want to call it, um, that allows you to do that, and you need to know how to modify it. So don't go out spending $180 on this device thinking you're going to hack somebody's car or steal their credit card, because that's not going to happen. Um, But if if you want to go down the list... I mean, there's a ton of things. There's like, you know, all the all the radio things I just told you about. Um, the RFID stuff, the NFC, which is the credit cards and, and more. Infrared, which is TVs, projectors, and many other devices. GPIO, which is just anything that connects to the outside of this device so I can make devices work and this be the controller for it. Uh, iButton, which is a form of authentication that uses... Um, these things, these little metal prongs as a key. Uh bad USB, which emulates a keyboard, types like, you know, a couple thousand words a second. Wow. Uh, or I'm sorry, a minute. I'm sorry. A thousand words a couple thousand words a minute. Uh and then it also has some use cases that aren't hacking, like uh two-factor authentication. This is a you know offline device where you can generate your two-factor without needing a device that's connected to the internet. So it does that too. And then there's a ton of other sub applications that are on here like hundreds of them that do little little things. So a lot. Just with this one device. This thing, you know, it, it does just radio, but it does a lot more than this thing.
1: Really? Yeah. What does that one do?
2: This one you can hack airplanes with. I mean, it, that, I mean that's the, an extreme, but that's something that you can actually accomplish with this using ADS-B. Um, you can choose to either receive or transmit. Um, so you can choose to either receive or transmit ADS-B with this device uh, and that's the frequency to tell a plane, you know, it's call sign, position, and, and more. And um, it's very illegal to do that, of course. But uh, if I wanted to go outside right now, I could even demonstrate later for you. They You know, I pull this antenna out, this is just a small antenna, um, and we can receive airplanes, see where they're at. There's nothing illegal about receiving them. Um, Transmitting is where it gets a little bit funky, you know. Uh, but yeah, ADS-B, This one does a lot. Like something like a joke, for example, touch tunes at a bar. They're little jukebox machine, jukebox machines that you pay for. Yeah. This device uh, brute forces them, meaning goes through zero 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 to nine 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 nine, looking for a pin code. And once it gets it, I can fully control that jukebox, like like I have, like I'm the owner of it. So you know, just just for fun, or Subaru cars. Some some years of Subaru, I have this pre-programmed that can unlock and unlock unlock and lock a Subaru, no problem. Um, I could do that with this as well. But this thing, way stronger, bigger range, way more support, way more programs out there. This device is a lot more dangerous in my eyes than that device. Really? Yep.
1: <sighs> Man, you are a. I think I've, this is the fifth time I've said it. I think you are a dangerous man. But
2: <laughs> well, I'm I'm safe, safe. You know, I'm yeah. eth- ethical. <laughs>
1: you could be if you but wanted to be.
2: I'm trying to go into detail about these things just for the just for the nerds out there like me that are listening. I'm not going into exhaustive detail about these devices because most people are not going to care. So I'm just giving the general overview.
1: <laughs> oh, I think I think they're gonna care when they realize how vulnerable they are. No, I don't mean
2: they don't care about what, what yeah. they can do, but like care about the technical specifics. Yeah. You know? what,
1: we get a lot of our, we, pretty much everything that we have is from China. Okay. You know, all yeah. of our electronics, everything, it all, what, what do you say, 90% of it probably comes from China. Do you think we need to worry about what they're putting in our electronics?
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll give you one example. I, I bought this awesome vacuum and mop that's in one, all in one vacuum mop called Tinico. And uh, it completely connects to a Chinese server to uh, to transmit and receive information. Like I made it, I made a joke out of it. I actually have a video of it where you could turn the audio on for it. Like when you plug it in, it says charging started, charging stopped. Like when you put it on and off, I can control that with my computer through a Chinese cloud server. There's no reason that that vacuum and mop should connect to a Chinese cloud uh, cloud infrastructure whatsoever. But uh it does. And at any point they could change the way that functionality works and take over my home network with this vacuum mop. So Are you
1: serious with a vacuum mop? Yep. Yeah. How many devices do you think has have these things in them?
2: Anything with a Wi-Fi connection that's, you know, not not ev- not everything's going to be China beaconing back and forth, but anything with a Wi-Fi, you know, with anything with Wi-Fi capability is going to open up, you know, an attack vector.
1: Washing machines, refrigerators, just why, oh yeah, why does a vacuum mop? Have <laughs> I don't know Wi-Fi I, capability.
2: I'd love to tell you, that it's a. Uh, I have, I have the video I could show you, I could find it sometime, but it's a, uh, I have that and then I have the app I could show you. I can adjust the volume, I could check when the last time I used it, does it need to be cleaned, does it, you know, it tells you all that stuff, but it's using a Chinese server that I can control from my computer now that I've captured the traffic between the mop and the server.
1: How many devices do you think we have that are connected to a Chinese server? And what would they be getting out of it?
2: I mean, it's all about data nowadays, so I mean, I think that data is the most important thing to them because it's worth money, and uh advertising dollars are are would be spent better for you know with with targeted demographics, so I think that they're using that information to target you on the stuff that they that you need you know if you or someone that you love is looking up something, obviously Google's gonna figure out. Uh, how to target you on that on that thing, and then sell that data to other people, and they they call it retargeting. Whereas if they have access to your direct network, and they can see you know things that you didn't even fully like, search out, or you're typing on a different application, like a chat application, where you're not even searching about, it, you're just talking about it. That data is very valuable because they know about something before Google does, or somebody, some other large data broker.
1: Interesting. What are, what are five simple things that people can do to protect themselves from, from hackers?
2: Use a password manager. Um, install an antivirus or consult with an, an IT company that has cybersecurity expertise or a cybersecurity company. Uh, one, of, one of those many options, but talk to somebody unless you're an expert yourself. Uh, use an RFID-blocking wallet. Uh, and potentially, if you want to be extra safe, use a key fob that has an RFID shield on it. Uh, that way, your key fob doesn't work outside of that shield, can't be cloned. Some cars require you know tap to start, so you know use something like that. Uh, be careful with the websites that you're visiting. If the browser's telling you the site looks unsafe, then it's probably unsafe. And if it, uh, you know if you're told otherwise, make sure who you, who's telling you otherwise is legitimate. And, you know, just be careful. I mean, just use your common sense. If something looks too good to be true, it probably is.
1: Okay, what about we're in, we live in a day and age where you're getting spam calls every five minutes, you're getting spam texts every five minutes, and a new marketing emails coming in every two minutes. It's, it, I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Do, we need, do we need to worry about that stuff? If I open a text... Could I be hacked just from opening the text?
2: Technically, yes. I mean, like I said earlier, the zero click attacks that they're willing to pay a ton of money for, there's government agencies that already have them. There was one going around for uh, quite a long time. Uh, There was one going around for quite a long time called Pegasus. uh, And then there was another one called Pegasus 2.0. And it didn't require any user interaction from you know, from anyone, you, you would just send to a phone number, they'd have full remote access to your phone.
1: Even without opening the text?
2: Without opening anything. Holy shit.
1: How do you defend against something like that? Yeah.
2: You can't. There's no there's no way to defend. That's why they're so valuable, because there's nothing you can do.
1: How do most hackers get in? Do you have to click a link?
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean... the Sometimes it's a link. Sometimes it's a file. Sometimes it's a photo. Sometimes it's a chain of exploits of multiple things that turn into it. It could be a Word document. It could be anything. Um, when it comes to zero days and zero click exploits, it's uh, it doesn't require any user interaction, and you will not know that your phone's infected. Damn. Yeah, so I can't even give you a good answer for it.
1: <laughs> This is scary stuff, man.
2: I could, I could, I might as well have it on my phone right now. I have no clue. I mean, I'd likely see the traffic going in and out of it, but uh, there is still the chance that it could have it.
1: All right. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll get into what you're doing now. The U.S. dollar. How many of you out there still have any confidence whatsoever in the U.S. dollar? Probably not very many. I don't either. You see, there is a growing concern on the devaluization of the U.S. dollar right now, and rightly so. Here's why. Inflation. We are at an all-time high right now on inflation. It will now cost you $12 to buy one carton of eggs. That is absolutely absurd. Let's talk about interest rates. Interest rates through the roof. If you're in the market to buy a house right now, you're going to get roughly 50% less house because they've raised the interest rates so high. Let's talk about the stock market. Way down, especially the tech stocks. Crypto, way down. Congress, spending more money than you or I or anyone else we know can even fathom counting. And the feds, what are they doing? They're just printing money like it's nobody's business. Devaluing our dollar. Meanwhile, China is running around the globe right now, striking deals. Latest one, Saudi Arabia and Iran, new oil deals, trying to turn the yen into the new reserve currency, which in turn will devalue our dollar. It might be time to start looking at where to protect your money, and you might want to look at precious metals. I believe gold and silver is one of the safest assets to protect your savings and your retirement against inflation and recession. If you're interested in investing in gold, I suggest you call my friends at Lear Capital. A lot of folks these days are extremely concerned about the 401ks. Ladies and gents, if you're looking for a solid investment, talk to Lear. They can roll precious metals investment right into your 401k. Call them today at one 800 741-0551 or go to Learshawn.com. i started investing in gold back in 2020 when i saw what was going on back then i knew we were in for a financial crisis and i started investing in precious metals immediately once again call lear at 800-741-0551 or go to leershawn.com and get your free gold and silver investor guides, and receive up to $15,000 in free bonus medals with a qualified purchase. Information contained within Lear Capital's website is for general educational purposes and is not investment, tax, or legal advice. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. You've probably heard me talk about my psychedelic journey last year and all the benefits that came from doing it. One, being that I haven't drank in almost a year, I've not had any caffeine in almost a year, my anxiety is gone, my anger is gone. A whole list of benefits came from that and it led me down this journey of researching benefits of mushrooms and fungi in general. In my research, I found this company called Mudwater. Mudwater is a coffee alternative with four adaptogenic mushrooms and herbs with a fraction of the caffeine as a cup of coffee. I have energy without anxiety, jitters, or the crash of coffee. What I really like about Mudwater is that they took the time to find the perfect ingredients to make a product to help you feel better every day. I genuinely believe that Mudwater is a good product. It's Whole30 approved, 100% USD organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, vegan, and kosher certified. Mudwater also donates monthly to the Berkeley Center for Science of Psychedelics as Mudwater believes the country's a mental health epidemic, and so do I. Go to Mubwater.com slash Sean to support the show and use the code SEANMUD for 15% off. That's Mubwater.com slash Sean. Use the code SEANMUD for 15% off. All right, Ryan, we're back from the break. We just got a whole class on hacking and all the stuff that you're capable of and all the things we need to be worried about. But let's talk about why you came here, and that's what you're doing now. You're basically hunting down these people that are exploiting children sexually on the Internet and in person. Yeah. I know you have a couple of horrific stories. One guy that was, I think it was his daughter in the bathtub,
2: yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'll start, you know, kind of where that all uh, came from. Um I was at a friend's a friend's house and I got a text message from my friend's wife and it uh it was multiple photos of screenshots of this website that was uh it was clear from the screenshots that the website was on the regular internet, anyone could access it. And um should I name the the website? Yeah. It was uh it's no longer up, but it was dot c o so uh, dot c o and that website went down and it ended up being dot t o like t is in thomas o is in oscar so i see this website and i see the content uh in these screenshots that my friend's wife sent me she doesn't know anything about computers but she has kids herself and she was like can you do something about this and i read this content and uh one of them was was uh was talking about a mother that wanted to have have kids and then have the kids be uh, so that that when the kids grew up that they could you know have and and go even further I mean I, I'll pull up the screenshots cuz I'd like to explain like where my head was at that time but as soon as I read these messages I uh I like I, I guess a, a switch flipped in my brain and I left my friend's house immediately as I got the text and I was, I went home. I didn't know for sure that I was gonna be able to get into this website. I just knew I wanted to do something about it. And uh, I found a vulnerability in their platform. I got in uh, and from that point on, I started to uh, to exfiltrate the data every single day, all of the users. Um, I noticed that th- that a lot of people were soliciting on the site. So I uh, I didn't want to download those messages in case of the fact that I pull in some images that I'm not allowed to have and nor do I want. Uh, so I made sure to only download the publicly facing stuff which didn't include <laughs> it, it had some very graphic text, but it didn't include anything illegal, which I think it should be illegal to talk that way. But it was it, it was
1: horrible stuff. What 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 were some of the so you started this Basically, from a text conversation with a concerned mom. That's yeah. what got you into it. Yeah. What's some of the text that you saw on? No, I'd like com. to read
2: them to you if you want. I still have them. Read them. So this is before I was before I ever caught a single predator in my life. This was this was the beginning and what set my set my brain off um, to uh, to want to help. But this is, before I even heard of this website, before I heard of anything anything to do with it. Um, Okay, here they are. Um, So the title, uh, should I read these? Like they're graphic. Yeah, read them. So the title of this post is, who wants to bang these little (laughs) um, And then somebody replied underneath, I've got first dibs on the (laughs) uh, Joseph Fritzl, Maximilian, uh, which is, there's two different users there. Pick for yourselves. Um, and this was the photo that they used. Oh my God. That's just one of three.
1: Three tech These members. girls look like they're six.
2: Very young, yeah. And then there was that one story where I told you about the I can't see it. But the the story I told you about the bathtub situation where there was a father who posted their child in the bathtub and uh, it said underneath of it, um, they have no idea what's going to happen to them tonight. And then underneath of that, there were people that were part of this website who were saying what they were going to do to this child. And this wasn't just some fantasy that this guy was talking about. This was a, you know, a guy posting his child in the bathtub, like for real. Like it really was his child. Um, I assume he was a man, but it, it was a parent. Um, you know, so that really got to me. And then uh, I got another part of this text message. I'll just read one more of the three. And this one says that they are a 16-year-old... <laughs> a lot of these people were role-playing to be children. And in our investigations, we found out there was a lot of actual kids on this website, real kids they were under 18 at the time of uh this this when i hacked the site
1: what are they doing on there
2: they're selling their bodies for money to these kids to these people yeah it's kids, kids
1: prostituting themselves
2: yes yeah so one of them i don't know if this is a real 16 year old or not but what was said was pretty disturbing regardless uh it said god i really want to be a mom i need someone who wants to 16 year old When I have our daughter, I'd let you do whatever you wanted from whatever age. Make me watch as you... Teaching her how to lovingly... Don't worry if it's a boy. You can watch... Teaching him how to properly... Woman. Teaching him how to slap and hurt me to... He'd be so cute trying to... So little. Oh my God! So when I got these text messages and reading them, even current day, right now, um, it it makes me sick to my stomach to even think about. And uh, and I know they're gone. So, you know, I mean, not all these people are still out there, but the, the website's down. Um, how many
1: How many people are on this website?
2: At first, I thought it was a couple thousand. When I uh, cleaned up the database and and figured it out. There there's about seven thousand people in just this one website and uh we have a total of five.
1: You have seven thousand people on one website you've
2: mm-hmm. and you've, you couldn't you couldn't become a member of this website unless you answered uh an application where you you, you had to answer a question that was something like are you okay with uh you know, doing something horrible with a three-year-old and in all of their holes. You had to answer that question in detail. I forget the exact verbiage of the question. It's it's a uh, it's posted somewhere um, in, in regards to this interview or or Project Veritas, one or the other. Uh, but you had to fill that out to become a member of the website you just saw, and which would tell me that either you're an undercover cop or you're an actual predator. On the site, I mean, who would answer a question like that? Even if they were just curious.
1: Is there multiple? Qu- so it's a whole questionnaire you have to do to get yeah. into the site.
2: There was a few questions. I think two or three that were really horrible. But you had to answer them, or, or they were not. Would not approve you to join the site.
1: Is there any other prerequisites to get on sites like these?
2: Um, yes. So, so what I learned in this process, doing the investigation and exporting, you know, everything that I could legally export. Uh, I found that they used a chat app called Telegram, and they were going back and forth talking about, uh, about you know, and they would call it cheese pizza and use all, times it, all kinds of different phrases for it. And I realized there was these moderators in the chat rooms outside of the website um, where if you would send them, they would let you into another group, which was full of, but of course I couldn't do that. So I never got to see past that part, uh, but I do have evidence of that being a thing when I have, cause I exported all the chat logs. So I can, sh- it shows that if I were to send something horrible to one of those moderators, I would have seen something even worse, which is hard to imagine than, you know, we are already seeing here. What did you,
1: what did you do with that information? It mm-hmm. Actually, let me backtrack. I'm sorry, how, how long did it take you to crack into that website and get this information?
2: Um, I I wasn't sure. Like I said, when I got the text messages and I wanted to try to take, my goal was to just take the site down. And I knew I could make that happen because it was on the the clear net, uh, regular internet for anyone to visit. I knew I could do that, but I didn't know if I could actually get access to their server. Um, Once I found the vulnerability, uh, maybe an hour, two hours at the most, if I could remember correctly. It wasn't long. And they never found out they were hacked. So to this day, um, they they never found out. They and they will never find out. I mean, unless unless somebody in that database is watching this. Uh, now you know you're on you're. <laughs> I have your data, and uh, we will find you. Good. So I, I actually recommend you come forward, so we don't have to make the story up for you.
1: What did you do with this information?
2: So. As soon as I got the information, I w- I thought it was slam dunk. I thought like these people were going to jail. You know, I thought that maybe I, I solved something that uh, that the FBI or somebody was you know working on for a long time. And uh, I instantly went to the exploited children uh, tip line, and I uh, I submitted you know saying who the owner of the website was, that I had access to all the data, and uh, and that they were welcome to have it basically. Um, then I reached out to a bunch of news articles, or I'm sorry, news stations, and t- talked to a ton of reporters, and all of them were super excited to talk to me.
1: What news stations?
2: Um, Sun Sentinel, uh, Daily Mail, Business Insider, Fox, uh, some, some influencers, Ronan Farrow, Candace Owens, they both didn't read my messages, um, but as for the news stations, uh, they You know, I had full conversations with the reporters. They knew what they were getting themselves into. They were very excited about reporting on it. And once it got back from legal, they weren't allowed to report on it. And um, I said, "Well, okay, if you're not allowed to report on the illegally obtained material that I have, just let parents know that this website exists and who you know what you know whatever you want, but just keep whatever illegal out of it. You know, I just want them to parents to know." that this website exists. You don't need to put my name, you don't need to put the material I obtained, nothing. Uh, every single one of them completely disregarded me. I you know, I, I sent a lot of those notes over to Project Veritas with some evidence of that, but uh, not a single person until now has done anything about this.
1: Not one, not any conservative media, not any liberal media, because unfortunately that's the day and age we live in now, right? right? Um, none of them, none of them would touch this. None of them want to be involved in saving kids.
2: When I say I tried, I tried so hard and nobody wanted to do anything.
1: So what wound up happening with the information?
2: Mm. So law enforcement
1: didn't want to get involved either.
2: No. So I I called my attorney, uh, locally and then I called an attorney in Virginia because the owner of the website happened to be a Democratic politician and ran for Congress two times. Um, his name is uh, Nathan Larson, and I'll explain more about him in a second, but I talked to a lawyer in Virginia because I knew that's where he lived and I wanted to see what I could do from there. So the lawyer in Virginia basically told me she didn't know what to say. She, she never heard of anything like this. Um, the lawyer in Florida reached out to the task, the local task force, let them know that I had access to the information, um, and then as well as, you know, doing that tip line. So from that point on, uh, you know, all of these news stations and all the law enforcement connections, whatever you want to call them, they all were fully aware that Nathan Larson was running this website, that he was, you know, he ran for Congress twice, that, uh, that he was an extremist, he did crazy things. Um, but he, he did run for Congress two different times in Virginia. So I thought that they would take that seriously. Well, completely ignored.
1: Completely ignored it. Project Veritas gave me access to some of the stuff you guys are working on together. And in one of those videos, you're reading a quote from Nathan Larson. I'm going to read it right now. This is from Nathan Larson, Democratic politician that ran for VA uh, Congress multiple times, ran a website for pedos to discuss their dark intentions and fantasies. Here's the quote. It's not enough kids and take their innocence. You also need to reproduce the next generation with them. Let them see that you prefer to the offspring you have with them than to continue to have with a woman who is no longer jailbait. The quote continues But you can still sometimes. Just let her know, though, that. What you love her for the most is producing with you, is producing with you a fresh, new, young girl, and that this is her main value and contribution hat. You think fondly of her, this is disgusting, I'm sorry, you think fondly of her for, because that beautiful daughter reminds you of her.
2: unimaginable it's like how how do people think this way but there's so many people that think this way that it's alarming is the is the word for it i don't know how how else to put it it's way more people than you'd think than you'd like to believe
1: code words pizza and cooking and cheese pizza Mm -hmm. stands for This is disgusting.
2: Yeah, it gets only worse than that. you know it's it's really bad.
1: How much worse does it get?
2: Worse. I mean people it, it, this this is a person talking about it and it makes me uncomfortable it just as much much as it makes you uncomfortable. but uh, you know these people what they're talking about they're they're doing. you know this guy isn't some guy with a bunch of fantasies. This guy got arrested six months after nobody did anything about it. And, uh, you know, like I said, I try my best. He gets arrested six months later with a 12-year-old in uh, at a layover at an airport after he <laughs> kidnapped her. So not only did he uh, talk about it, he did it. And he, he got caught. You know, uh, as for some other people, uh, I don't know how much more I can go into it. But one guy we're investigating um, as of 2020, which is after I submitted the data, he got in trouble for... Doing something horrible to a child as well. Became a fugitive, and I think they eventually got him. But you know, we're we're not even close to through the list yet, and uh, you know, we got a lot more people to expose. And they're not just talking about it; they're doing it.
1: Let's backtrack real quick, because you kind of breezed over what happened. Um, So, the guy with the pit with the daughter in the bathtub. Yeah. What happened?
2: That guy with the daughter in the bathtub, I, I don't know where he went. He's we, part of the database.
1: I'm talking about the guy that got arrested in Denver.
2: Oh, that's that's uh, Nathan Larson. Okay. So Nathan Larson, he got arrested six months after the fact, um, after I hacked his site, after I submitted it to the authorities, to all the news stations. He gets arrested with a 12-year-old girl and gets arrested for kidnapping. And I don't think he got charged with rape, but he got the kidnapping charge. Um Nathan Larson then went to federal prison for that and, um, you know, the website went down and, uh, you know, he just, he, he sat in prison for, I forget, forget what the sentence was, but it was quite a long time. And to my knowledge, when you're, when you're a person like him, you are going to be put, you're going to be separated in a federal prison from the regular inmates and, you know, spoiler alert, but Nathan Larson's dead and uh, the reason why he's dead is due to starvation. The news says that it's suicide. Um, if I had to guess, the inmates that were, you know, responsible for feeding him, just let him, you know, starve to death. And I, I believe he deserved every second of that pain.
1: You and me both. So there's been, there's been five, I'm sorry, there's been five other sites that you've cracked into?
2: So when, when I hacked uh, Rapey, it, uh, Nathan left backups of his previous websites on the same server. So it really only took one site to get all five.
1: How many names all together?
2: Um, I'm not, I can't give you an exact number. I'm not sure, but it's tens of thousands.
1: Tens of thousands yeah. of people. Are, they, are these people all in, where, where, do you know where they're all
2: at? Are they from um, all, they're all, all over the country? All over the country. country all, uh, some, are, some are international, but most of them you know, are in the country. So when did
1: Five Six One PC start?
2: Mm. So Five Six One PC is an organization that um, I created with a friend, uh, Scrappy. He's an MMA fighter. Um, it started because of the frustration that nothing happened from this original, uh, this this whole ordeal. You know, I'm, this we're talking two and a half years after the fact. I've been you know, looking into information on predators for organizations on YouTube um, anonymously with my name not attached whatsoever, just finding information and uh, sending it over to the organizations. Um, and then they would go and confront them themselves. And uh, I did that for many organizations. Like I said, completely anonymously, I wasn't looking for recognition or my name to be attached to anything. Um, I meet Scrappy, Dustin Lamprose, whatever you want to call him. He, uh, he, he's a really good dude. And he Hold on. Had,
1: scrappy's a professional MMA fighter in the UFC, correct? He,
2: well he did not he didn't he didn't get his call for the UFC yet, but uh he's you know eight and zero undefeated, seven knockouts. He's he's likely gonna get the call. He's on the way. Yeah, yeah. And um even Dana White knows who he is, I believe. Um it's uh it's it's you know, he's a he's a good dude outside of fighting. He's a very nice guy, gentle heart, you know, religious guy, you know, great, great person in my eyes. So he was a good partner to pick for this upcoming project. And I brought up, I was like, hey, man, um, you know, do you know how bad it is on the Internet? Like I told him the story that I just told you. He was blown away by the fact that nothing happened. And I told him, I said, like, you know, let me show you, let me show you how bad it is, not just tell you. So I was like, Google search uh, teen chat room Florida. Or, you know, it was something of that, something similar to that. So he Googled it. I told him, click any chat room. I don't care which one it is. He clicks the chat room. He clicked guest. He clicked guest. You know, he didn't have to make an account. Made his name Ashley 13 Female Florida. Something like that. And just said hi in the chat room. And within five minutes, he must have got 40, 50, 60 messages from grown men. Some naked, some trying to video chat, some saying that, you know, they want to meet up and a very horrible things like grown men hanging out in these teen chat rooms. Um, from that point on, he realized how serious this actually was. And uh, I was like, hey, well, you know, that it's not just these chat rooms. It's most of the time it's social media apps like so, like Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Tinder, um, oh, you know, all of them. It's anywhere a kid has access to Roblox, Minecraft, their Xbox when they're talking to their friends. Um These predators are on everything. So I said to him, hey, if we get some decoys in there and they, they, you know, grown women or grown men, they pretend to be children, we can go and try to catch these people uh, and expose them in real life. Just the same way I've been helping organizations for two and a half years do it, except instead of me sending it to them, we'll do it ourselves. We'll we'll clean up our, you know, at least try our best to clean up our, our, our town in South Florida. And he was like, yeah, man, I'm definitely down to do it. And of course, you know, at first you think when somebody says they're down to do something like that, it's a hit or miss. But he was like he was on point, ready to go. And, uh, you know, we've caught 14 people now in a couple of months of of doing it. And, you know, local law enforcement, Delray Beach Police have been incredible. And we're just going to continue to grow. You know, if if anybody's interested in checking that out, it's at 561 PC, like 561 Predator Catchers. On Instagram, same as for YouTube and uh yeah you'll you'll find me there and you'll also find uh scrappy there
1: let's rewind what what is what was your first operation like
2: uh my first what
1: your first operation what's the f- the first guy oh. you guys caught together as a team? How did that go down
2: so the first guy we caught as a team was just a complete test <clears throat> uh Scrappy and I used an app called Grinder, which is a gay dating app for the most part, not not only gay, but mostly gay. And um, we both used a filter to make ourselves look younger. And uh, we just started talking to any guy that messaged us. We didn't message anybody first. We waited for people to message us. And uh, one guy eventually, within an hour, decided to talk to us and we went out, met him, called the cops and uh, guy. the guy ran to the bathroom. We couldn't film in the bathroom. Where'd you meet him? Uh, right on Atlantic Avenue in, in Delray in front of a million people. And, and uh, you know, I embarrassed. I screamed at the top of my lungs at what he was there to do. And, uh, you know, I, I don't do that anymore because you can get a disorderly conduct for that. I didn't know that at the time. But uh, that was my first encounter. Guy just ran to the bathroom, no one hid until the cops got there. And at that time, the cops had no clue what was going on, so they just let him go.
1: Have you gotten anybody arrested? Yeah, multiple people. How many?
2: Uh three so far
1: let's go over the first one that you got arrested. What did that operation look like?
2: Um, that one is actually uh, No, actually uh, I think mean, do you mind if I go over the guy that I know uh, That full story of right now because some of them of are active mm. So the one guy we have a YouTube video And uh, we we made him you know do pull up or I'm sorry uh, we made him do push ups and sit ups you know to distract them while the cops were on their way, and uh, he said that you know that the girl had breeding hips and I believe he said something about uh, wanting to take a shower with her or something like that, Um, and how Florida works is they have the police station. And then they have the state attorney. Some states have district attorneys. Some states have state attorneys. I think they are the same thing, but they're just named differently. But the state attorney is the one that ultimately makes a decision on the if the person is going to be convicted or charged with, the, with these charges. But the cops make the decision on what they're being charged with. So we meet the guy. He admits to everything you know, that he said in the chat logs. He admits to maybe even a little bit more. Then he admits it again to the police officers, He goes in the interrogation room. I send the chat logs and the video to them while they're interrogating. Um, He admits everything to them because it's not evidence until the predator says it. Like, our evidence isn't isn't valuable because we're vigilantes. So, you know, it's not technically evidence unless the police obtain it. So uh, all of that went well. The cops spent, uh, Delray police spent a ton of time building the report out for this guy, state attorney, you know, it was kind of iffy about it, it seemed. And the entirety of the case was thrown out because uh, the, there was no shower inside of Walmart. So there's no way he could have showered. You've got to be shitting me. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a little bit rough. We had a meeting Do you know
1: with, who's, who's responsible for that case getting dropped?
2: Um, I don't. I know it's the state attorney for whoever, Palm Beach County, for Palm Beach County, but- yeah, it's I don't know the exact name.
1: Is that an elected slot?
2: I believe so. Uh, we that, should look
1: that name up and post it right here.
2: It's wild to me. But but the one thing that I can say is that this one of the sergeants who used to be a detective did have a meeting with us right after that and told us what the state attorney would be looking for to secure a conviction. So we are trying to fall within those guidelines now. Like We call the cops regardless every time, but we're not sure if we're going to get an arrest or not unless it falls within the guidelines that we're told.
1: Ryan, do you think you could demonstrate right here, right now, how fast these sexual predators, predators will show up in a chat room? Yeah. Fire your computer up. Let's do it. All right,
2: I'm recording, so now I'm just going to say, hi, who wants to chat? And I named myself Ashley Female New Jersey, 13 Female New Jersey. Let's see how many private messages come in. Two already. Three.
1: It's been like 10 seconds.
2: Yep, hey, wanna fool around? Hey, how old are you? Let me just copy that and send that to everybody because we got other messages coming in.
1: What chat room are you
2: in? Just. A teen chat. Hey, you want to cuddle a bit? I, I didn't, I, I mean, I, I'm taking, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt right now that uh, that they didn't read the, oh, he's 47. 47 okay years old in a teen team
1: chat room. You got him in what, five seconds? He's yeah. already messaging in?
2: Oh, yeah, there's a ton. Of, there's, I can't even keep up with him here because every time I click one, there's more on the list. Uh, he says, he's I said, are you okay with my age? He says, yes, age. 13, like my profile says. I got two more messages, so now we're at one, two, three, four, five. I'm 19, let's ignore the 19-year-old even though it's disgusting.
1: It hasn't even been 60 seconds yet.
2: Okay, there's another guy. Here's the other guy. This guy's 15. Ignore him. That is a real teenager in a teen chat. Uh, uh, The 47-year-old says... He said age. I said 13 like my profile says. He said name. Ashley. And then another guy just messaged. How old are you? Okay, this person's a child too. So out of all of these... There's one guy here who is 47 years old, less than a minute, who wants to talk to a child in a teen chat. And I only said hi in the chat room, nothing else.
1: Holy shit, dude. You, you jumped in a chat room. You called yourself Ashley 13, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. L- literally less than 10 seconds. We have a 47-year-old wanting to, wanting to have sex with a, with a 13-year-old girl.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's how quick it is. Like I I Googled teen chat. Uh I'm in a different state, so I get different results here for, you know, the local teen chats. There was there's no way for me to set it up. You know, all I did was say hi in the chat room and press enter. There uh, and you know, a bunch of messages came in. Some were from actual teenagers, as it should be in a teen chat. And uh one of the guys, which you know, who knows if they really are teenagers, that's another thing, but one guy was open about that he was 47 years old and he was completely fine with the age.
1: Where, where all is this happening? Is this happening? Just list off where this is happening. That's that that everyday people use all the time.
2: Uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Kick, WhatsApp, uh, Roblox, Minecraft, Xbox, PlayStation xbox and
1: playstation
2: uh, yeah because you can chat with random people in games um they could represent themselves as whoever they want um yeah yeah i mean it's just uh, the list goes on uh, anywhere where a human can communicate with another human the child is not safe so parents need to be watching that uh and not just assuming like you know if, if you if your kid says hey i'm on the phone with my friend which friend is it you know is it is it one that i know um like, you can't be scared of being a helicopter parent because if your kid's aggravated at you for a couple of minutes for, you know, being overprotective in these scenarios, I think it's worth, it's not your fault regardless of what happens, but to save them from a life of trauma, I think it might be worth the extra couple of minutes or aggravating your kid to, you know, see who they're actually talking to, see which, who their friends really are, and uh, just spend that extra time. Cause it could it could save a lifelong battle with trauma
1: this happened to somebody I know in in parkland you know mm-hmm. I remember I used to live in Boca so I got a lot of friends down there mm-hmm. happened in parkland he's got a daughter a couple daughters and she was she she was blackmailed by somebody and had taken pictures and it's 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 everywhere just as you just demonstrated it. I mean 10, ten seconds. Less than ten seconds. And he and he's on there. Yeah. Is this is this the case every single time?
2: Uh yeah, yeah. Some of the guys want to chat for longer before they meet up in person. But uh yeah, it's it's that easy. It's, it's not good that it's easy, but it is that easy to to find them. They're out there and they are they're they're being predatory, like, you know, like the name states. How
1: I don't I I don't know what to call it. I don't wanna call it a success rate, but what is the percentage of people that you're talking to on here that will come and meet?
2: Um depends on how long you talk to them and if you can convince them that you're not a police officer. Would you uh, say
1: the majority of them?
2: Way more than the majority, yeah.
1: Ninety percent? Yeah. Over ninety yeah. percent?
2: Um it depends if they ask to meet or not yet, because sometimes it takes a while for them to chat. So I would say, yeah, if they, if they ask to meet, 90, 95% plus if they ask to meet up.
1: 95% you think? Yeah. <sighs> Damn. How did how did Project Veritas get involved with it?
2: Um, they saw the, a viral podcast of me talking about the website, and they were interested, and they said, well, I want to help you bring justice to this... Uh, to to what the other stations failed to to bring justice to, and the FBI even failed to, or uh, all everybody everybody failed me. I f- I felt like they failed me, and Project Veritas said, "Hey, well, we will do something about this. We'll put our whole team on it. We're going to we're gonna we're gonna bring light to this. We're gonna bring these people out of the dark corners of the earth," and uh, and it it made me feel like okay, I have. I have a team here, you know, I have people that were, are willing to, you know, fly across the country and meet me in a 24-hour notice, which they did, uh, to have a conversation. They, they flew me out to New York to, to do an interview, um, you know, just off my word. You know, I could have been lying. I could have been a member That's Who knows what they—they what, they, they didn't know who I was. So they just took my word for it, and they gave me the most compassion and love—more more compassion and love than I would have ever expected— and still are to this day.
1: What is this collaboration between you and them look like? How are they, are you, you're obviously feeding them all the information that you've uncovered so far. Are yeah. you still getting more information?
2: Um. So no, so right now we're going off the data that I already have, which is so much, um, especially with Nathan Larson's websites. You know, the one we're focusing on at the moment is rapey.co and .to. Uh, So anyone that was on that list is going to be investigated. We have all of their information um, or ways to find it. So we're just going to go down that list, keep exposing them in in person. um, And uh, we found quite a few already. So it's it's only going to get more extreme, especially as the team gets bigger. And uh, hopefully we do some justice, put some more in prison, uh, uncover some secrets.
1: How are you getting... How are you guys? So they sent me. So this interview is timed perfectly. We, When Project Veritas starts to release this information, we're right behind them. We've talked to them. We're collaborating with them. Mm-hmm. We want to just dump gas and amplify what you guys are doing to get this word out. So what does this collaboration look like between you and them? You're feeding them the information. And then how are they reaching out to these guys? And, and how are they getting to? Them to come in and and, and confess to this stuff.
2: Um, they so they have their own ways of dealing with undercover uh, operations and, and like filming undercover. Uh, but when we find the information on the people, you know, we're going off the database. We're taking the information per user. We're tying that to what we you know. We have some some archived uh, images of when the website did exist. So we could say oh, this user said this at this time, or replied to this at that time. Figure out who that user is, um, and then organize a team to go out there and meet them. But the process of finding out who they are is called o- OSINT or Open Source Intelligence. And uh, Project Veritas has been doing that already for years, as well as me. it's uh, I specialize in, in OSINT, and and obviously being a hacker, it just comes with the comes with the territory. Um, So working together as a team, finding these people has been, you know, no different than what I would do on a daily basis, except it's just making a bigger impact.
1: How many guys have you guys put in prison so far?
2: Um, I don't think I can talk about that part yet. Okay. Yeah. We'll wait.
1: Let's talk about the John Lewis confrontation. Yep. He was on rapey.to website with his email link to it he he says he found the website through a telegram group yeah first he admits to having a fetish to young children went to therapy for help with that addiction has gone has been going for many years and has made a little progress with his addiction
2: addiction to porn right yeah yeah
1: do you want to talk about that interview at all? Have you seen that?
2: Yeah, I watched the interview and uh the guy is in a facility for his addiction to porn but was completely cognizant and coherent. There, you know, he's not he wasn't like a mental health case to like where he couldn't he, he didn't know right from wrong. He definitely was fully aware of what he was doing. Um he like I said, he's one of 7,000 on that list. Uh but he did admit on an undercover camera that um that you know, he was to child he was soliciting and that he was a member of not only but those telegram groups I mentioned earlier that were you know trading and soliciting child he admitted all of that uh, clear as day on camera so that will be forwarded forwarded along to the police and uh, we'll see what happens from there but that was very recent his confrontation
1: the application question to join the group we've already gone over this if a man wants to his three-year-old daughter in every while she is do you have a problem with that please elaborate on your thought process so we can better judge your suitability for this site John Lewis's response I do have a problem with that that's disgusting then they expose the conversation make a video in the school basement Denied it, it was a lie, denied receiving <laughs> in the past. He only admits to having seen <laughs> but did not distribute it. And then <clears throat> and then confessed to have looked or seen images, never physically acting on those urges. And then later confessed.
2: Right. And, and says that he never did any of that, uh, and if what he says that he did on the forum, he legitimately says that he <laughs> kid in the basement across from the school. And just by chance, that's where he lives, across from the school, where his parents live. So, you know, he could he could say he didn't or he did, but the fact that he admitted to... <laughs> like, I've been in some very, very tough spots in my life. But I've never thought about a child ever Neither. that's and I, I I doubt you have either it's it's a if, if you, I Don't trust anything you say yeah, you know So if you tell me on a forum that you kid in the basement, you probably in the basement That's that's what I'm gonna safely assume
1: Do you know what happened to this guy?
2: That, that's like I said, it's so, that one's so new that I'm not sure what's gonna happen to him, but hopefully- He's
1: he, still out there right now, though.
2: Yeah. yeah How do we solve this shit, man? There's no way to solve it, for sure. Like, you know, it's never gonna go away. And unfortunately, we have some states that are trying to normalize it. We have states that are trying to make it a sexual orientation, um, and then we have other states- What like states? Uh, California being the main one that I know of. What are they doing? They're trying to make it a sexual orientation. I, I think they're calling it a, 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 something attracted minors or something. Uh, minor they're making attracted. this a thing.
1: They're making it okay. We yeah. need to accept. So now we need to accept people who are little kids.
2: Yes. That's we what they're to, trying we to, to do. need to accept that now. Yeah, California is one state that they're trying to make it part of a sexuality to be attracted to children.
1: It's a it's a sexuality to be attracted to children. Do you yeah. know any of the other states that are doing this?
2: I could Google it, but I mean, California is uh, is the main one that I know of.
1: Not surprising.
2: Yeah, not surprising. Not surprising at all. <laughs> yeah, so that's that blows my mind that that's even a thought. And then there's people that defend these guys as it's a mental illness, it's a sickness, it's this, it's that. I don't care what it is, because it affects somebody else, you know, it's going to ruin somebody's life forever. Um, Why do you think
1: these states are pushing this
2: shit? I don't know. I don't know. But Florida, I'll give you a good example. I mean, DeSantis is trying to pass a bill to uh, to issue the death penalty for, for uh, sex crimes against children.
1: From what I understand, that's in place. Is that in place so is,
2: is it locked in? If it, I mean, it must have been recent, if so, but- I don't wanna
1: misspeak, but the way I understood it is that it is in there now and that if you're doing this shit Mm -hmm. and you get caught, they're going to fucking kill
2: you. I love that. Why why is it That should be the case everywhere, in my opinion. Why are all the
1: Democrat states trying to legalize this shit and make this normal? I don't fucking understand that. I don't know. I don't know how you can vote for that shit. I don't know how you can affiliate with that shit. I don't know how you can think it's okay. It's fucking disgusting.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's like you know they're normalizing kids. Yeah, and they're creating people. And to people defend are them. voting
1: this shit in. Yeah. Fucking Newsom, Gavin Newsom got recalled, and they voted him in again. And look at this shit. Now he's making this shit normal. I mean, I hate to get fucking political, but. What the fuck is wrong with these people?
2: I agree with you. I agree. uh, I I can't explain. I wish I could. I wish I could explain why we just got a message in 10 seconds in a random chat room from a 47-year-old man wanting to... But uh, I I, I have no explanation. And all I know is that we need to find a way for parents to be educated and for kids when they get old enough to be educated um, so that this doesn't happen to them. Uh, that's that's all I know that I could do, and uh, the only other thing I know I could do outside of educating parents, schools, uh, children, is uh, is you know help some some you know organizations out that take human trafficking and you know victims of any type of sexual assault, whether they're children or adults. Like I, I have the resources and the team and the the skill set to be able to help people. I just need those people to be put in place, as well as. Let's say parents monitoring their child uh, on an app. You know, I have some ideas in my head for apps, but I don't want to plug a specific app if I don't know if it's great or if I can trust them. So you well, know, even
1: if you don't plug if you even if you don't plug an app, Ryan, what do these apps do? Like, so if I put this app on my son's phone, mm-hmm. what is what do I
2: get? So you're going to know where he's at at all times. You're going to be able to read his text messages. You'll be able to check his app usage. you would be able to, you know, lock down certain parts of the phone that you don't want them to, to be on. Um, and, you know, just basically as if you have access to the phone, but you have more access than him. Uh, it's it's really more, I think it's more important to do that and have your kid aggravated at you than, like I said, the the latter.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would 100% agree with I mean,
2: so do you. So basically know the statistics these apps. With the, like the, the 1 in 10 people before the age of 18 are are sexually assaulted and 40% are are 12 years old or under.
1: I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, I mean,
1: that's- 40%?
2: 40% are under 12. So it's important to do this stuff, you know?
1: So with these apps, so the way I'm understanding what you're saying is if I put one of these apps on anybody's phone, Mm-hmm. I basically get control, just like you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, people's computer. I can control everything they're doing, what they're yeah, looking like at. It's like a
2: commercial remote access Trojan. How easy is it to,
1: to manipulate the app? I mean, because here's my concern. I'm getting old <laughs> and my son's going to be a lot more tech savvy than I am. Right. So he's going to learn how to defeat that.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I don't think that it's going to be easy. Uh, as of right now, I know it's not easy. I know of one that, that my, uh, my uncle is using, and it hasn't been beaten by uh, by his daughter. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think it'll be that easy. No, nothing's impossible, but, uh, you know, they could always get on a computer, which there's other ways to protect the computer. If it was me as a kid, I'm, maybe I'd get a little more crafty because, you know, that's what I like to do. I like to have computers. Um, but I, I don't know. I, it would it it would stop me and make me second guess what I was doing, if I knew my parents or parent was watching everything that I was doing online. I would second guess my conversations and who I talked to.
1: Damn, man, this shit is.
2: Because like, I'll give you one example. Um, a guy, uh, a guy was talking to our decoy. This is like the second or third person that we caught talking to our decoy in a normal chat room, not like that, like a, like, you know, regular social media site. And was using a photo of some guy that was in a band as a profile photo using a fake phone number, fake age and a fake name. And we were like, we can't find information on him. Like we can meet up with him, but we're not going to know anything about the guy. So we eventually got the decoy to get the guy to send pictures of his face. And, um, he sent some pic, real pictures of his face i was able to find him on the internet found his real name found you know that he was not the age that he said not the name that he said that he wasn't even using his real photos he booked a hotel room um uh, a hotel room he ordered uh, he even actually ordered pizza to the hotel room thinking that he was meeting with an 11-year-old at that time and uh it's you know you got to remember that the 11-year-old he thought he was talking to was under the assumption they were meeting some guy from a band that was younger that got a hotel f- for the night that just ordered pizza when in reality it's some guy in his mid 40s f- them it's it's unbelievably messed up let's
1: take a break i need okay. a break Hey guys, let me tell you about this subscription service that I've been working real hard on called Vigilance Elite Patreon. Basically on Patreon we have it broken up into three different tiers. we got Tier 1, Tier 2, and Tier 3. Let's dive in. Our Tier 1 patrons get all the the behind-the-scenes footage of the Sean Ryan Show. That could include behind-the-scenes photos, that could be side conversations that we have in between breaks, That could be specific questions that our patrons give us for the guests on The Sean Ryan Show, and a ton of bonus content that doesn't really fit into any specific category. For our Tier 2 patrons, they get access to our Tactical Training Library, which consists of well over 100 videos. We've broken those videos up into separate categories, and those categories are rifle fundamentals, pistol fundamentals, drills tactics driving gear and weapon setups and everybody's favorite mindset also on tier two you will get a live update from me on the first and the 15th of every month where we talk about the upcoming guests on the sean ryan show plus all the benefits of tier one our top tier which is tier three gets full access to all the other tiers Plus, they get full access to me, where we do video teleconferencing, VTC. Once a month, we discuss anything from tactics to current events to who's coming on the show. I take suggestions, and it's very interactive. No matter what tier you choose, the support is greatly appreciated, and it is the only thing that makes this show drive on. So thank you for all the support. See you on Patreon. All right, Ryan, we're back from the break. Sorry, man, I had to. Is getting a little too angry before the break, so I wanted to. I understand. Wanted to cool off for a minute, but while we were on the break, I want to clear a couple things up. We were talking about the California law and the Florida law, so we printed some stuff up. This is from the Liberty Champion. I didn't realize this got this got. This stuff in California got signed into law in 2020.
2: Right. Yeah. And and I don't know. You know, God knows what more they've done since then.
1: Yeah. Who knows? I I know the
2: LGBTQ plus community, from what it says in one of those articles, they were not happy at all about this decision. So it seems they're not in support of, uh, or at least the LGBTQ movement is not in support of the sexual or uh, sexually attracted to minors or men. I can't. I can't remember. Yeah, the So acronym. the plus is that what this is? I believe so, but I don't want to. I don't want to be wrong.
1: Yeah. So let's let's just stick to what we know. So I'm yeah. just gonna read this. This is uh, a report from the Liberty Champion. It is an opinion poll. I think this uh, portion is factual. You can look it up. Uh, we're on a time crunch, so whatever. <laughs> look yeah. it up. But according to this. A couple weeks ago, this is dated October 12, 2020, a couple weeks ago, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a law that would allow judges to decide whether or not to list someone as a sex offender for having or with a minor. According to the bill, it only applies to consensual sex, whether it be between a minor 14 years old or, or or older So as long as they're 14 you're good in California well, I guess yeah, I guess you're not it's, good. it's up to the judge
2: yeah, it's up to the judge and they believe that children can consent at that age um, and then from just you know from what I know just hearing things or reading things that there is a they, they want to make it a sexuality in certain states one being California that you're attracted to minors overall. Um, yeah. and, and I don't believe kids can consent personally, um, not in, in the slightest.
1: This this goes on to say, yeah, it looks like this is an opinion poll, so I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but yeah, it looks like they're adding it to the LGBTQ plus community. Minors deserve the right to consensual sex too.
2: That's ridiculous. I'm not,
1: that's not from me. That's from this. I totally disagree with this shit. I agree. Somebody tries to make a weird sound. Yeah, I
2: don't agree with it either. (laughs) But
1: uh, then we go. And then the Florida thing. This is April 20th, 2023. (sighs) This is from ABC News. They're really upset about this. uh, If you read the whole article. But Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Thursday signed a bill that will allow juries to impose the death sentence even if all 12 jurors do not agree. He is also likely to approve a second bill passed by the lawmakers on Tuesday, next Tuesday, that would make sexual battery of a 12-year-old, of I'm sorry, sexual battery of a child under the age of 12 a death penalty offense. It's quite the difference between the uh, two states there. Agreed. I know uh, where I'd want to live.
2: Yeah, I I, and I do live in Florida and, and totally agree with... Uh, what he's, what he's trying to do.
1: I still, I just can't believe people are into this shit, you know?
2: Yeah, I do it. I do it every day and, uh, I I still can't believe it.
1: But, um, so we're going to kind of wrap things up here. There's a couple of things that we haven't talked about yet. I know you got a couple of facts, uh, statistics that you want to rattle off before we get to that real quick. Let's go over a couple of examples on our break. You were talking about, uh, confronting, a man in Delray Beach, yes, who then was later caught, and then we also talked about a letter that you got from a—I don't want to say a gentleman's attorney, a pedophile's attorney, right? Uh, basically standing up for him, trying to pay you. I'll—I'll I'll leave it to you from here. Let's start gotcha. with the. With so the I'll teacher. start with the
2: guy. Um, a, the The video, as of this, as of recording now, isn't isn't on our YouTube channel. But um, by the time this this is released, people will be able to watch this this man's video. Um, he showed up um, after talking to our decoy and you know talking sexually. Um, he was fully aware of the age, uh, and he he I looked you know I looked into the guy. The guy went to school to be a teacher. He has a bachelor's in in teaching. Uh, a, a, Teaching to some degree. Uh, I don't know what specific topic or if teaching is just a degree, but he is a teacher. He taught at two different schools. What and, schools? Um, I have them uh, on my computer. I, I don't have them off the top of my head. Local
1: Florida schools?
2: Uh, one is an online tutor school and another one's not. So, uh, But he has two, two properties, one in Massachusetts and one in Florida. Uh, he showed up to meet. Um, his name was Brent. And, um, I walked up to him with the camera, uh, scrappy behind me and we called his name and, uh, the guy just starts walking away while he's on the phone with our decoy. And, um, we're like, Hey, we, we have all your information. We know where you live. We know you're like, we, you know, instead of just saying, we know where you live we're giving him the address, we're telling him where, you know, his name, we're telling him where he's worked. We tell him age, like this guy knew that we knew who he was and he kept walking and kept walking. Then he goes into a full sprint. He's full sprinting through the Walmart, and you know I, I'm not a big runner, so uh, I just start chasing after him. You know I'm I'm running as fast as I can to uh, to catch up with him. I got the camera in my hand, and I'm screaming at the guy saying, you know, what are you what are you doing here? Like what's going through your head? Guy gets in his car, he drives away. Didn't get a word out of the guy. So we thought, okay, let's just report it to the police. We'll put the video up. It'll just be a short video. We'll attach some of the chat logs so people see he was a teacher. And um, I thought that was the end of it. A couple days later, uh, I get a text message from a friend that says, hey, didn't you just catch this guy? Uh, her, her name's Courtney Elizabeth. She's a predator catcher. She uh, she uh, texted me a screenshot from another predator catcher, 1,200 miles away in Pennsylvania. So we're in Florida originally. This guy is drove to Pennsylvania for whatever reason. I don't know why he was there, if he was on his way to Massachusetts. I don't know what he was doing there. But got caught again by another predator catching group and um and i I reached out to that 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 predator catcher uh Luzern county predator catcher it's just he does his county and is is known in that specific area, and he sent me all the chat logs. one of the chat logs said that he was chased out of Walmart by two police officers, and the guy has no idea who we were because we didn't get a chance to say you know we didn't get get a chance to even tell them what we were do tell him what we were doing. Um, so just, you know, the, the point of the matter is he didn't get the point the first time. He likely ran from Florida because he thought he was being investigated or wanted by the police. And then you also have to think if he got caught twice by two, uh, uh predator catchers, which is not the most common, you know, profession or niche in the world, um, how many times this man hasn't been, has not been caught. So it's disgusting, you know, that he's a teacher, and disgusting that he'd do it twice. But just think of the amount of times this man has probably not been caught. So that was that was one thing, and then we caught another guy that I wanted to I wanted to reference. Um, we caught another guy um, named Stephen. We went to his job. We asked for him. What was his job? Uh, he was uh a, he's a manager at a, a seafood restaurant, and. We showed up there. We sat at the table. He was supposed to meet with with our decoy. Uh, At that point, uh, he was 13 or 14 years old, Uh, if my memory serves me correctly, Um, and uh, he bailed last second that day. A lot of times, these guys will bail, and then they'll come back, or, you know, it, it. they never really disappear because they can't, they can't control themselves. This guy was very sexual. He said that he wanted, uh, he wanted our decoy to sit on his face. He wanted her to come back to his house. Horrible things. So we were like, you know what? We're not going to let this guy just bail and disappear. We know where he works. We have his information. Let's just go there, order two glasses of water. We know he's the manager. So he'll come up after we request the manager and we'll bring him outside and have a conversation. So we did that. He was fully aware that he was being recorded. And, uh, everything that, uh, everything, you know, was, it it was very transparent what was going on. You know, we asked questions, he told us the answers to them. He knew we weren't police. he knew he was free to go at any time, and he offered a ton of information. That was up to him. Um, So, uh, you know, that gets over with, police come, we give the police all the information that we have, and some time goes by, and I get an email, which the original email was, uh, you know, saying to take the video down off of the, off of the internet. And, uh, it went, originally that went to Scrappy's cell phone. Um, and he didn't see it at first, but then when he did, he saw, he sent it to me and then I replied to it. But the first email was straight to the point, like, take this video down. Uh, it's in violation of this statute of the privacy laws of Florida. And last time I checked, you can record in public. Um, you know, it's, you have no expectation of privacy in a public place, uh, audio or video. And uh, so I, I wasn't too concerned about the threat from the, the law firm who's representing our predator. Um, so I sent the reply back and I said, take a look at the person that you are representing. Here are the chat logs, if you want if you want to be clear, um, because I, I didn't release them with the video. So the attorney could read all of the horrible things that the guy not only admitted in the video, but, uh, but that he said himself in the chats with pictures of his face. Then they reply a few days later and I'll read you their reply. They said... Thank you for your response. In accordance with Florida statute 934.03, we are requesting that you remove the video. As stated in my previous email, this video is exposing Mr. Blank to an increased risk of physical harm. In the video, you have exposed his face and full name without his consent, which is a violation of privacy laws. See below. And then this is from the statute. In Florida it's illegal to record an in-person or telephone conversation without the consent of all parties. Violating this law constitutes either a misdemeanor or third-degree felony depending on the offender's intent and conviction history can also subject subject the offender to civil damages. Um and then at the bottom this is the kicker We respect everything that you do and acknowledge your mission of doing what is right and protecting the public. In fact, we would like to offer you $1,000 to support your cause and for the administrative costs for the removal. I will also be at your service if you need our help in the future, if you face any legal issues with your channel. Again, we're not looking for a battle. We're looking for your help. Respectfully, blank. So I will not release their firm's name, uh, I don't respect the, the fact that they're representing a predator, but uh, they haven't filed a lawsuit against me at this point. If they do, this email is, is in my possession. It was sent to me. I can release this email. It's not a threat by any means, but I will release it to let the public know that you know somebody's representing a predator and trying to make my life and Scrappy's life more difficult um, You know about exposing a local predator. And then number two, the fact that they said that they would want to represent us Why would we ever want legal advice from somebody that would take most likely 500 bucks from a predator to take down a video that is educating the people in the area who's dangerous? Why would we want to be represented by somebody that's okay with that? Yeah. So um, I just wanted to let let, let you know that one. It blew my mind.
1: (sighs) This stuff just goes on and on and on. and, And Ryan, I want to get you back here again to dive into this more. Maybe in six months or so, because I know there's going to be a bunch of stuff that develops. But yeah, so I know you have a couple of statistics you want to rattle off. Sure. And um, let's rattle those off. And then let's try to end this with some with something positive. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> but, yeah, agreed. So these are just, uh you know, just some some uh, statistics about human trafficking, which goes, you know, is goes it coincides with exactly what we're doing. Catching predators and and these pedophile ring websites Um one in five uh, uh, U.S. teenagers who have received an unwanted sexual solicitation online. That's Crimes Against Children Research Center. Um, uh, 13, year, 13 years old is the average age at which a child first encounters an explicit uh, w- uh, website, which comes from Guard Child. Uh, 75% of children are willing to share personal information with strangers that comes from e-safety commissioner. 75%. 75%. 50% of sexual exploitation incidents involving children that begin on begin on social media platforms. What can't. was that percentage? 50%. They begin, which I believe is higher. Yeah. Um. 27% of online child exploitation cases involving a perpetrator who is a family member or acquaintance. Um Source: National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. The people that ignored me, um, but yeah, twenty-seven percent of people uh, are cases involving family members and acquaintances, which I think that number's higher too. So they're just statistics; they're not always accurate. Um, but uh, either way, they're still horrible, regardless of which way you look at it.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's something to to try to wrap your head around and 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 and, and understand the severity. And how much this shit happens but <clears throat> moving on let's get into some good news let's let's talk about how we solve this thing right. which seems when you look at it and, and, and you see you can enter just any chat room and somebody shows up in five seconds to
2: literally within 10 seconds we had that message or may, it might have been five yeah. yeah we'll find out
1: and um yeah we'll find out in the video uh when we edit but but you know just to bring some hope to people you know we we actually, actually the videographer <laughs> came up with a with a great option at least a start and um he was saying you make a database you know we'd pull all of your information intelligence that you've yanked out of these out of these sites and hopefully you'll continue to exploit these sites Uh, with that information and make a database, a public database that has all the people that are associated with these sites, names, addresses, pictures, if we can get them, all of it. And then people, schools, um, businesses, people that are looking to hire parents, anybody can just go onto this database, type in a name, see if it pops up or a face or a face yeah, or both. Yep. um, I think I think that's a phenomenal idea.
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, the, like we were saying on the break, um, you know, it's not like these people are are innocent by. It. Like, there's no there's no possible chance of them being innocent. They, there's chat logs of them talking sexually to what they believe is a minor, and then there's video evidence of them showing up there at the time they say they're going to be there most of the time, on the phone with what they think is a child while they're walking through the store or through a public place to meet who they think is a kid. So the the database of, you know, if a cop can't, you know, if a cop can't get a charge to stick or the state attorney doesn't want to go, go through with the case, uh, well, then the public should know regardless because then they can make their decision based on the evidence that was gathered by the public.
1: You know, I... I- I don't know what the legalities would be either, but if you are an attorney who knows this subject and you want to help, reach out to Zero Day, reach out to Project Veritas, reach out to us. Yeah. Uh, All those links will be in the description. But, man, I think that would be—you know what else I think? We should shame the attorneys who are representing Predators.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's ridiculous. I mean, uh, there's no money in the world board. that you could pay me to get rid of this information, to stop the journey that I'm on right now. I don't care what you offered me. It's not happening. It's it's not worth it. There's I care too much about kids. I don't even have a kid. And and I, again, off the break, I, I said, I, I can't, uh, you know, I don't know how I'm going to act when I have a kid. I'm already crazy. And, you know, it's about my friend's kids. You know, like, I'm I'm going to be I need to find a balance between being a crazy parent and, uh, and you know, and letting my kid have their own space because I, I'm just it, I'm terrified. Yeah, me
1: too. You know, I don't. I just I don't even. The stuff really gets to me. And, and and when we connected, I told you my goal this year is to dive into this subject and mm-hmm. bring a lot of awareness to it man, this shit eats me alive, you know, but, and then you read stuff like what California's doing and and it's, it's, I mean, they're, they're, they're making this, uh, we're trying to normalize it. Yeah. So if you're a pedo, move to California.
2: Right. Yeah. Move if there. you're
1: not down with that, move out of California. I like guess it's, so. it's getting to be that simple. You know, they're going to look what's going on there. You know, yeah. everything, the whole, anyways, whatever. But um, you know, I wanna I really want your word to get out and I wanna I I w- I wanna connect you with some people. I wanna connect you with my friend Matt Murphy, uh, who's doing Operation Light Shine. He's making a huge dent in this stuff. I think I think how this ends, obviously government's not gonna get involved. Right. Uh especially in particular states. I guess uh Florida's getting involved. Florida might, yeah. But um, But whatever, government moves as slow as a snail. So I think what it's going to be is it's going to be this collaborative effort from citizens, people like you, people like Matt Murphy, um, going after these guys. There's other organizations out there, and and it's this big colla—it's turning into this big collaborative effort, you know, to get rid of these people and expose what they're doing and educate the public on how to keep your kids safe. And just Ryan, just with what you're doing, I think I may have brought this up at the beginning, but I mean, if you think about the impact that you're having, you know, you're educating kids. Kids are gonna wise up to this stuff. That's gonna drop the numbers. Parents are gonna be listening to this. They're gonna wise up to this. That's gonna drop numbers. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Predators are gonna watch this and realize we're coming for them.
2: And And we are heavily.
1: And they're gonna get scared and some of them are gonna stop. So just by doing this show, this one show, it's gonna stop a it's gonna stop a handful. It's gonna it's gonna save at least one kid. That's I can good guarantee with me. you that
2: one kid is good with me.
1: I want to also actually I already sent the text, but I want to introduce you to a podcast that's um they do phenomenal work. It's called Concrete. Uh, it's run, uh, their host is a guy named Danny Jones. I think he's somewhere in the Tampa area. Okay. I'd love to connect you with him. I haven't, I haven't even met him in person, but I'm a huge fan of their podcast. That's one that I watch. They it's dive like I've deep actually into seen stuff.
2: It. I've seen it with, uh, I met one of the, uh, one of the guys. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. Well, not, gonna... not, I didn't meet any of the, uh, any of the, I'm sorry, the, uh, producers of the show. somebody that was interviewed. He oh. Was, uh, he was a, a fraud guy, but.
1: Oh. Yeah. Well, I'd like to introduce you to them cause I think they'll. I think they will have the courage to help you get the word out. And there's another guy, uh, Julian Dorian, uh, who I'm actually going on his show here pretty soon. And I want to make that connection, too, because that guy, he does some really, really, really good work. And uh, I'd love to I'd love to make all three of those connections with Matt. Uh, concrete guys and Julian Dorian so I really
2: appreciate that very much and and uh, Yeah, the more the more we can make the more noise We make the better and uh, like I said the resources that I have and the abilities that I have and the abilities my team has you know Especially with the cybersecurity company and and my hacking team combined um, The more resource like the more resources the more we can do. I mean, it's very simple It's I just if I don't have access to these missions or I don't have access to some tips or what I, I can't do anything. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: When I want to end this, I want to say if you have fallen victim to this, or, you know, somebody that's fallen victim to this, speak up about it, get in touch with Ryan Montgomery. All your links are going to be in the description, zero day, your Instagram, um, with a zero, not spelled zero, 561PC, <clears throat> that'll be linked. Project Veritas and everything that they're doing, all that stuff's going to be linked in the description. And and if you don't want to reach out to them, you can reach out to us and we'll put you in contact with them because <laughs> they're the ones doing the real work. And um, this is how we battle this shit. You've got to speak up. You've got to get to people that can that can lead you to the right people and and we got to expose these people, you know, the 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 the, the predators. <sighs> Man, what a heavy subject.
2: Yeah, unbelievable.
1: What do you got coming up?
2: Uh well, hopefully when you know this release comes out and uh and you know, I I have some people reaching out and you know, not not entirely sure I want to do them based on some some things we just researched, but uh yeah yeah more to come more to come it's i think that uh we'll, i'll start with your connections <laughs>
1: right on man yeah. well ryan i just want to say man it's it's you're just a great human helping addiction helping people that are addicts out and then it morphed into this and uh you obviously have a, a, a heart of gold and it shows and and Thanks. i'm just proud to know likewise man, man. likewise
2: Thank i you. appreciate you
1: All right, brother, best of luck, and I'll see you soon. See you soon. Hey, everybody, I'm Sean Ryan. Click here to subscribe to The Sean Ryan Show YouTube channel for the hottest and most compelling interviews that you will not see anywhere else. I've also made a playlist of all the previous SRS episodes so they're easy to find. You can find that right here.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Save Them Podcast. As always, you can find us at SaveThem.org. See you next time. Thank you and donkey.